1: Welcome to Brother Day Star Tracks edition. I'm Matthew. Hi, I'm Judah. Corrected that little mistake I made last week where I said the real name of the show. <laughs> that's that's uh, probably illegal. I should not have done that.
2: Um. Yeah, we're in hot water with CBS. via I compare them out.
1: Well, that's Rotten okay air. though. They're they got a whole the whole company's. I'm sure working on fixing that terrible poison app that they've put out. So they're a little busy. You think
2: it would be their top priority?
1: Fucking should be
2: do they know it made it hard for you to watch these three episodes this oh week? Oh my
1: god, so hard. <laughs> I told you how it haunted my TV weeks ago. Yep. Well, now it, the app won't even work on that TV, the one in the back, in the master bedroom. It just <laughs> doesn't do anything. You can't get it to run any any program at all. And that's where I was wow. hoping to watch them. So then I had to come out and watch them out here. And I was in the, in the podcasting studio. And then uh, the subtitles were all the jumble. It was like it was like doing the jumble. It was like... I don't know what any of the words are. And I don't understand the alien references, the, the alien pronouns, proper nouns. Uh-huh. And so I need the thing. I need the words to come up on the screen and tell me that it's a Gilvos and not like a Gilgos or something.
2: Yeah, that did help me. I don't think I've ever known it was a Gilvos.
1: Yeah, I didn't remember that. So... Um, this app is the worst. It's the worst app on the planet. I can't believe that we have to go here to watch them now. I almost <laughs> bought them on Amazon. But it was like $30 per season per show. And I'm like, how? That would be such
2: a huge outlay. And it would yeah. be so weird if you just bought the ones we had left to do. Like yeah, if I just bought these six, six, 5, six, and five 7. or 7 of <laughs> the TNG DS9 and Voyager. But
1: even that would be like $270 worth. Some right. insane amount. So I was like, okay, well, I'm obviously not doing that. So I gotta just deal with this dipshit app made by a bunch of fucking apes.
2: I mean, I know you have both TNG and Deep Space Nine on DVD somewhere. Oh, that's
1: true. But I'd have to dig those out and like put them in a machine. Do I even have a drive on this computer? I
2: don't even remember. I yeah, must. It's a tough one. A uh, little bit of business from week 108. Oh, uh, yes. For people who don't listen to the. I actually don't know if we even talked about it, but people who don't listen to the uh, Mailbag Weeks, hmm. uh, we did get scores in from Ben, and the winner of Week 108 did end up being TNG.
0: Yep.
1: let's back up so that was by nine.
2: 44th win through 108 episodes.
1: Yeah, they are, and, they're they're in pole position, or whatever. Yeah.
2: and And that finishing order is how we determine which episodes to talk about last week's Last place finisher was Voyager. Mm. This week we watched The Disease. Mm. Voyager. We open on a long, weird pod ship, and then we zoom in in a shot that everyone was very proud of (laughs) through the window and into a bedroom where Harry Kim is doing makeouts with some kind of electric lady, hmm. and the sensation of it is apparently amazing.
1: Well, he just like glows.
2: Yeah, just like ripples all up his torso and over his nips and everything. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, boy.
1: I felt it in in my podcasting studio where I had to yeah. watch it. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that shot, because there were numerous things in this episode where the, they were clearly doing some work, some camera work. So. Yes.
2: Yep, they they spent some they spent some money uh this week for, for this to some effect, let's say.
1: For this episode. For the for this yeah. yeah, as you will see, for this fucking episode.
2: Uh it turns out Voyager has been working with a species called the Varro, who are all in this one ship. Oh. Uh, to repair their warp core, and they've been working with them for like two weeks, but they're still butting heads about Access These guys don't trust people, in Mm -hmm. part because they've been stranded here alone for 400 years, um, transitioning into a generational ship. Uh, Don't worry, we're explicitly told this is a fate that may befall Voyager.
1: Yeah, they talk about it a lot.
2: Right. Um, Now that Harry Kim has post-nut clarity, he seems pretty worried about uh, a bunch of uh, regulations he may have violated. Mm Mm-hmm. No shit, I, I that's
1: definitely what they're going for too. They 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 got all the TV code for they just did it, and he's like brooding, staring out the window. It uh-huh. is a hundred percent someone in there said he's in his refractory period now. You get it, guys? <laughs> Do you get it? <laughs> he's not all backed yeah. up anymore. He's a new
0: Enton Kim.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's gross. Hmm. Um, it's it's hinted at. Well, it's hinted at that sh- their genitals may not connect correctly.
1: Uh, yeah, they don't get into it just to say that they didn't expect it to be so different.
2: Right, yeah, so I maybe he's still backed up?
1: I don't know, man. He glowed so much. I'd be surprised he did, if he did He didn't. did a
2: lot of glowing. You'd think yeah, exactly. something
1: would have happened. Something nasty.
2: Anyway. Uh, they were told, like, no personal interactions or whatever, but, uh, this woman is his full-on girlfriend now.
1: Yeah, he's in love and all that.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, uh, TP notices and tries to get the hot goss from him, but he's, he won't tell him about it. Anyway, the first test of the warp drive doesn't go that good, because there's a bunch of micro-fractures in the generation ship's hull. Uh, so they're gonna be sticking around for a while. Um... But Kim can't. He Kim doesn't play it cool at all. The second he's back in his quarters, he calls her up, and they, uh, you know, they start cybering or whatever. And she asks him if what they did the night before could be considered sex. And <laughs> uh, meanwhile, up on the bridge, Tuvok uh, detects the transmission, and that's unauthorized too. And. Tom Paris has to scramble to cover for Harry Kim. He what? busts up the signal and then tells a lie that nobody should believe about how it was probably just a calm glitch. But nobody <laughs> cares this week. It's not clues this week. <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: Hey, it's not even Detective Tuvok. My question about that was, like, was he encoding that to so that so that Voyager wouldn't detect the transmission? Or is that the aliens wouldn't? Because Voyager picked it up, I think, because it was all coded right yeah i think they said hey what's up with this one this one looks this one looks like a secret communication maybe if he just used open comms tuvok wouldn't have noticed anything uh
2: harry kim only knows one woman on the ship so he tries to have a little chat with seven of nine about you know what she thinks about romantic love now that she's been hanging around humans for a, a year or so yeah and she tells him love is a disease so there's the episode title
1: that's i mean look man uh, they're going to talk about it fucking so much more after this.
2: Well, during this little conversation, the parallels really pick up because he starts getting a bunch of little uh, electric flashes all over his skin and Seven drags him into sick bay. They think he's probably contracted an alien virus and they start quarantine protocols, but then he sheepishly asks Seven to leave the room mm-hmm. and tells Schmulus. Nah, he just boned down and now this is happening to him.
1: Yeah, he so. had, now he, they know he's got an alien STD.
2: Yeah. Well, there was no point in kicking Seven out of the room because uh immediately kicks it upstairs to Janeway. <laughs> I mean, I, he's got electricity all over his skin. What's he supposed to do, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, McCoy would have been cooler about it. He would have waited to spill the beans until it was important for the plot, but that's <laughs> fine. <laughs>
2: She's not pleased with the little guy. He's violated a bunch of protocols about relationships that have apparently always existed, even though all other Star Trek behavior would suggest that they don't.
1: Yep, including Janeway's herself. I mean, remember her and with that, own uh, behavior. that nasty European who was telling all his Mediterranean <laughs> stories? Ugh. That's right, that greasy Mediterranean guy. He was really... She for sure... <sighs> That <laughs> guy was... She definitely guy didn't from, get permission. That was from fucking Mykonos or something. He was like... Something like that. And he, and he was horny and wanted some stories. I wish horny and stories rhymed, because that would have been a good one.
2: Yeah, well, even worse, this is definitely going to jeopardize their relationship with Devaro and maybe spoil the possibility that they can get some of their cool tech that, you know, because these... Again, this mm. could be their future.
1: Yeah, Exactly. So by the way, I don't know if I want those guys tech. It's just a bunch of weird little pods all stuck together. It doesn't look that good.
2: Yeah, for sure. In a quickly abandoned sea plot, Neelix discovers that someone has been using his replicator to build a weird little nest in the Jefferies tubes. And he and Tuvok go and find avaro there. there. Um, Kim Kim has to tell Tall that he's been ordered not to see her anymore, which he does by going right to her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And when he describes that they caught him because of his new electricity skin, she explains that it's the shared heart, Uh a special biological connection her species develops when it's, you know, the real deal.
1: Yeah, that's right. When they're not just pounding one out. When they've pounded a few Mm. out, probably.
2: Exactly. Well, anyway, he just can't leave her. It's love. That's
0: right. The disease, love. You know the disease. The 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 disease disease called love. You've
2: heard of this disease? Yeah. The stowaway tells Chakotay and Tuvok that this generation ship isn't the paradise that it's made out to be, and that there's a movement of people who want to leave. But since he won't refuse, uh, since he refuses to explain anything more, uh, Chakotay doesn't give him asylum. Mm. Instead, they just fucking send him back. I guess.
1: There was an outtake where he punched him in the face and asked him if he really wanted to do it the Maquis way. Do a
2: Maquis style? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, meanwhile, Chakotay also thinks Janeway's being a little too harsh on Kim. Um, so they have a talk about that. Uh, and the Varro boss seems to think that Tall's going to have like weird physical withdrawal symptoms if Kim leaves and gets sick. But that also is not important to anybody because at this point, we discover that the, manufa- the uh, microfractures have spread to Voyager's hull too. Oh, and, geez. huh, it turns out to be... Weird little old robots uh that are made by the Varro and specifically uh made by uh Harry's girlfriend Tall.
1: Man, that's exactly what Cargon was worried about. Fucking oh, vindicated. No kidding. Jeez. He was sure Wrecker brought that shit over with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Uh Harry beams tall over to a shuttlecraft cuz he finished work a couple hours early by sandbagging a repair job and she <laughs> wants to go see a nebula and they do that but Harry can't relax because they're doing a big they're doing a big crime and sure enough they get caught uh Tuvok rolls up and this is when he reveals that they know Tall did the sabotage and yeah that's true what she wants to do is break up the structure so that all the little modules the ship's made out of separate and everybody has to decide for themselves whether to stay with the ship or go their own way mm-hmm.
0: uh, but, so of course sorry, they take yeah, the truth amateur by the way yeah.
1: they get caught exactly the way that Harry Kim is worried they're gonna get caught he's it's like literally- any minute Tuvok is gonna roll up here and he's gonna catch us and then there's like a false alarm and then the next time it's just Tuvok he just caught him <laughs>
2: What? It's like there's no other thing that could happen Like no one on the ship's gonna go hey, uh, Where's Harry Kim going in that shuttle
1: Yeah why is he like out of scanning range His job range. was to repair
2: the deflector dish Why is he going to that nebula
1: Yeah it's an insane plan that he has Yeah Sorry
2: uh, So you, of course what do you do You enlist the help of the person who designed the robots And from this point on in the episode She's just like second in command on the Varro ship Even though she's definitely a big saboteur
1: Yeah she's a criminal She did a crime but uh, I guess her expertise in the crime she did has earned her a promotion. And plus, that guy needs Worf and Data at their current stations. At this
2: point, by talking to the Varro, uh, Janeway and the doctor have figured out what's going on inside Harry Kim biochemically that makes him so crazy attracted to her. Hmm. And Janeway tries to order him to go to sickbay, but he refuses and he yells at her about being in love and how he's done being a yes man. Ooh. And uh he's not he's not really her son and all this stuff. The and, new uh, the
1: new new Harry Kim.
2: Right. And at this point the Varro Ship starts violently coming apart. And there's some business where the Voyager needs to break free, but it's going to take like two more minutes to evacuate. The... Anyway, Harry Kim thinks they can extend the structural integrity field, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the sci-fi Everyone bits, evacuates the sci-fi bits
1: safely. as we know, <laughs> are the most important parts of the story. And if you don't do those right, then the rest doesn't matter. So
2: It's like, it's it matters so little. Everyone evacuates <laughs> safely, the pods break free, most of the Varro choose to stay together, but Tall's dissidents get their freedom apparently in one little pod yeah kim and tall say goodbye uh kim again won't get treatment for the remaining like the withdrawal part of being his his breakup from from her Mm -hmm. uh and janeway finally sends the doctor away but she tells harry kim she's not letting him off his duties just because he wants to wallow in it right and then they have a little talk about his reputation and their special mother-son relationship and how he's changed and then Seven comes by to the mess mm. hall where Harry Kibb is and to, nominally to thank him for doing some of her busy work because he's trying to distract himself but also to tell him that for no reason that anyone can explain <laughs> she has come to think that maybe love isn't a disease after all
1: I could only read that as she just really wanted to, to give the kid just a little pick-me-up. That's it. Yeah. That's the only thing I could I think I mean, of.
2: there's. it's otherwise completely unmotivated. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Matthew. Mm, yeah. What's this episode, The Disease, about?
1: Okay. Uh, ben, he did get us notes this week, and he says, what if we took the Cure's love song and turned it into a Voyager episode? Uh, it seems like they had the kernel of an idea, but then never really used it to say anything. That's pretty standard for Voyager. He gave it a one uh i agreed it's a one i had (laughs) (laughs) being the perfect officer or employee or subordinate of any kind doesn't make you the perfect man i don't know what that means so let's try again sometimes even just meeting someone from another culture is dangerous wait what the fuck okay how about love is a terrible debilitating disease they made love a literal disease in this episode who's writing this show that's the take loves loves a disease (laughs)
2: Um, yeah, no, um, I mean, I, listen, I agree. Uh, The take that I wrote is, love is a disease, (laughs) but like, the one you want to get anyway.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah, well, you know, better to have loved than lost, I guess is what Harry Kim, the new Harry Kim learned.
2: Yeah, and Janeway um, understands why Harry doesn't want the doctor to make his connection or his symptoms go away. And frankly, probably everyone but Schmollis and Tuvok and Seven would understand this position,
0: because
2: mm. it's like—I mean, that's the way love is.
1: <laughs> sure right? enough, how it is. Yeah. Sure Sh- enough, <laughs> yeah. how it
2: is. Um, but so what? What's uh, yeah. the take? It's just a statement. There should have been a scene, maybe, where someone says that you have to let Harry go through this, like basically other every other person who ever lived, or something else that would have been saying something. It's pre- it's a pretty wet take, but they did they didn't make me reach for it. So oh. I give as many as three.
1: Oh, they got the easy. They got the easy take. Uh, point boost.
2: Yeah, kind of. They said love was a disease fifteen times.
1: <laughs> they made it a literal disease where he had all the symptoms, and they could give him a hypo spray and he'd be okay.
2: Ben is a three on execution. He asks if this is the second or third time that Harry Kim almost gets killed by sex. And then, <laughs> but then he points out that this is Harry Kim 2.0. So it's, yeah. it's hard to, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, and then he's wonders why Harry and Tal just go their separate ways and neither one of them stay with each other. It seems like they could have easily made that choice. And let's, uh, he, he's a three for execution. Let's swing right into my execution. Mm. There's no real reason why Harry can't go with Tall mm. or Tall with Harry at the end of this. Sure. That I mean, pod Voyager just could fl- use fly long, engineer, right? could
1: be like stuck to Voyager, just sticking out of the back of it or something.
2: Sure. And I guess Tall is kind of the leader of this movement and she can't just leave her people. They never really say. Yeah. They also don't even hand wave how the microfracture problem on Voyager is fixed. No. Do they fire a bunch of Polaron bursts along the hall off screen or something? Well,
1: the good news is Mendon comes around and he has an idea. And he oh, actually reports like it. it this time.
2: <laughs> He's learned his lesson about the chain of command. That's right. He reports it right to Worf.
1: <laughs> well, all blue guys report to Worf. We know why. We understand it. It's uh, The ch- the chain of command on Enterprise makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, the worst and dumbest thing in this episode is the last scene where Seven comes in and tells Harry Kim that she was mistaken and that love isn't a disease, because why? What changed her mind? Yeah. It's like, it's so clearly for teleplay reasons and so thoroughly unmotivated by what happens in the episode. So, although I expected this episode to be much worse, it's it's still a hack job, and um, and it's a three for me, but... Well, there's a sex scene.
1: <laughs> then we have to count it. He got an STD, it counts.
2: She pulls up Harry Kim's shirt.
1: Yeah, no one wanted so. to see that. He wasn't jacked in the odds at all. He was soft in the 90s.
2: Yeah, so that's a two-point deduction, and that does bring it down to a one. Yeah, okay. And how do you feel it executed?
1: Well, I was the same as you and Ben on your, at least on your pre-deductions score. I have it as a three. Um... Harry Kim love story is definitely a bad start. You get through that teaser and you go, well, I'm in for it. This is going to be a bad one. (laughs) Seven, what do you think about love? What the fuck? I hope I don't jack off. That's the only thing I could think (laughs) of there. (laughs) Uh, I actually did like the tracking shot of Kim and Janeway in Janeway's office. Walking through the bridge angrily into her
0: other office? What was
1: happening there? Yeah, I couldn't figure right? out what the two rooms were. It was now weird. I'm confused. Does she have a ready room and an office and they're different rooms?
2: But you're right that should they enter from stage right. Yeah. Is that where the conference room is maybe? But,
1: I, but she was like, that's her big office. They were yeah. in her big office. The one where she p- pouts angrily all the time. The one where like she hides when it's really dark outside and the one where like she has dirty looks on her face when people that got things poking out of her head, but you can't see them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Her big room. I
2: do. But then big
1: they go room. into her little room. She's got two rooms on either side of the bridge.
2: It's a, a good question. What is that? When they go off uh, on the bridge stage left, where are they going?
1: If that app wasn't poisonous, I would try it again, but I'm, it'll ruin whatever I try to run it on. So I'm not going to yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Definitely don't go back and try to watch an app uh, episode you've already watched. It will destroy everything.
1: Anyway, I thought it was cool. It was a cool attempt by them, uh, filming, um, and too good for this episode for sure. On the other hand, dramatic zoom on Angel Harry saying "extend the shields," followed by dramatic zoom on Devil Tuvok saying "we might blow up" was much <laughs> less good and very appropriate for this hack episode. <laughs> um, I say again, love is a disease. Literally, I wish these writers could just get out of their heads every once in a while clearly they were going through it a little bit um while I finally I appreciate them finally admitting Janeway is Harry's mom it still feels really creepy like everyone on the crew knows it and she knows it and Harry knows it and shouldn't everyone be creeped out by it but they're kind of not like they've never talked about it till like right now anyway it's um,
2: weird that it's this is just the way it is and everyone is seemingly okay with it.
1: Like, she's really not his mom. I just... I don't know. I don't like it. Um, If they dropped the uh, love story and stuck to the Masterpiece Society plot about people wanting to leave their seemingly great society because things aren't so great beneath the surface, it wouldn't have been original, but it would have been easier to watch. I think that's true. Um, So just a three for me and what about the world building sure uh ben has it as a two He says the props department should be fired the girls living room straight had ikea furniture and a very normal flat screen tv (laughs) well i don't know if it was normal when voyager came out
2: yeah in 1999 or whatever episode this is yeah i don't know 99 when it ended
1: uh 99 is when ds9 ended so 99 feels close to right for this one um uh yeah just like humans as always he says close enough to fuck but they specifically say that they are not close enough to fuck so i don't know um and he says he liked the modular ship design um i again agreed with ben i have it as a as a two uh when a lady licks your chest does it get all glowy and shit
0: I'm just going to give you personally? some
1: inside info here. A lady has never licked my chest. Is that too much information? I've done sex before, obviously, but no chest <laughs> licking. I got hair on my chest. I wouldn't lick it either. But now I want to know if it'll make me luminesce. Yeah, I'm not sure it's ever happened to me either. It's too bad. Harry Harry's getting some action that I haven't had. That makes me unhappy.
2: Um, That's TV. For what it's worth, he, he probably mostly has to have bra sex.
1: Oh, that's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, uh, covers over their bottom parts. Uh Uh-huh. has to happen a lot. Uh, This generational ship and their xenophobic culture, and also their weird separatists. Did Harry catch an STD? Is that what this one's going to be about? I had that here. Um, I mean, sort of. I know it's the military, but Harry has to ask for a private conversation with the doctor. Yeah. Like, the doctor didn't tell Seven to leave, and Seven didn't leave. And Seven doesn't know any rules, so that kind of makes sense. But, like, he's like, can I pl- can I please talk to the doctor alone? Um, she's
2: concerned about him. She brought him in there.
1: That's right. Know? She's kind of his guardian in Some, that way. Someone's
2: going to have to tell her to leave. What if she has she's to
1: She's his like, new mom? <laughs> she's second. second ship She's mom? his
2: sexy new mom? So. Well, she
1: might have to carry him back to his bunk, I guess. Yeah. Uh, They have to take a course at the academy About getting along with aliens Without getting it in It's called getting along without getting it in
2: It's called It was a rowboat <laughs>
1: That's right And there's a big fat handbook about interpersonal relationships These fucking nerds Uh, I thought it was crazy hard To get a formal reprimand But now you can get one from doing the woolly pulley With 90's hot aliens <laughs> of the week I mean, Worf had to kill a high-ranking foreign delegate or whatever.
2: Yeah, but to be fair, probably no one reported to Picard that Worf had sex with Kalar.
1: <laughs> he would have got a double reprimand Who that day. if that
2: was a reprimand? She's a, she's a whole ambassador.
1: He didn't walk in there and say to Picard that he and Kalar were mated and everyone just went, ah, dang it. Like they did on the Klingon ship. <laughs> I like how even evil devious Duras knows there's no way out of it. He's just like, ah, fuck, all right, bring me my cool sword,
2: shit. <laughs> all
1: right, well, fuck. God, ah, damn it. Uh, the, the Olanvora, of which I would like to pay Jonathan Frakes between $120 and $250 to send me a video clip of his pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a way... Do you think we can find a way to, is he on the, What is he on the cameo?
2: If, <laughs> I don't know if Frank's is on cameo. He was in an episode of Castle, but it turns out it was one he directed.
1: <laughs> Do you think that, was that like a criteria of cameo? Have you been in an episode of Castle?
2: He, he, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe.
1: Uh, Artificial Silicon Parasites. Yeah, just a two for me. What about you? Um,
2: well, the handbook on personal relationships is three centimeters thick, and also on paper, I guess. Or you could just put it on a pad, and then it would be one pad
1: thick. Yes, please keep in mind that these they often have like 14 pads on their desk when they're looking at 14 different things. So, yeah. maybe they did I mean, have to just a, stack three pads up. Could
2: be. <laughs> this is the basic thing, right? Is that there are actually some rules that we've never ever seen or had hinted at before. Mm-hmm like every everyone it comes come up five or six times that uh when coworkers start dating the people are like i don't know that's not a good idea mm-hmm. but apparently there's a handbook on personal relationships now
1: does it say in it you can come onto my ship you can dip it in trick mcbridge i don't give a fuck <laughs> i'm not their dad but <laughs> they can do whatever they want. Is that part of it? Because it doesn't seem like you need much more after that. That should basically uh, supersede all the other rules.
2: I will never not laugh at Trick McBridge. <laughs> um, yeah, we get again, we get this look at one possible future for Voyager that kind of teases us with the idea of it becoming a generational ship and what kind of problems that could have.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: The Borg have... Uh, discovered something like romantic love in at least 6,000 different species.
1: Lovely. The Borg are doing some real fucking research. That's what I like about the Borg, is that they keep records. So, like...
2: Well, they do keep records. They're all over that. You know, I had it as a three, but you're not wrong. It's a two.
1: Yes, I agree that the only points came from that these things theoretically exist. But, again, it's so inconsistent, we've never seen them mentioned or acted on before.
2: Uh, characterization: Ben's a two, mostly shame in Harry's game. He doesn't like his sexy talk,
1: uh, <laughs> and he is such a fool. He's not wrong.
2: Yeah, uh, he says Tom Barris is a good wingman, um, but then he's then Tom Barris does say you owe me, and that is kind of a kind of a gross thought. Yeah. He's a two. Um, you know, for me, weirdly, there's some real character work in this episode. Both when Chakotay asks Janeway why she listens to him, why she takes questioning from him but not from Harry Kim, and mm-hmm. Janeway's answer is kind of weak. Like, Not a surprise well, you're there. You're the first officer, that's your job. That's why she but didn't make fun of his tattoo really... and
1: chase him out of the room.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> seems like she hasn't really thought about it. And then later when she seems to have done a little introspection and she realizes that she thinks of this guy who probably already would have transferred and been a lieutenant on some other ship if they were still in the alpha quadrant mm-hmm. as a weird son surrogate like i don't a replacement for that dog <laughs> yeah a replacement for that dog <laughs> i don't expect this introspection to continue or no. be meaningful in the long run but i'm not mad at it because she's they actually kind of address this weird relationship and she thinks about it a little bit it's true But for the third time here, Seven's last scene is dumb and should be hated, (laughs) even as a character piece. So there's some good stuff and some bad stuff, um, but on the whole, I thought this was the best part of the episode was characterization, and I gave it a five.
1: Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, I guess I maybe hadn't given it enough credit. Let's see what I had. Janeway ordered no personal interactions with the Varro crew. Janeway finally admits she's Harry's space mom after she's butthurt about catching her son watching porn or whatever.
2: He Uh, had a girl in his bedroom. I mean, the other way around, but you know.
1: Sure. Uh, Harry Kim loved the cool alien sex and is just going to keep breaking the rules to get more. Oh, wait. He's in love. Uh, He was top of his class at the Academy in case we hadn't heard that before. I didn't remember it.
2: Voyager doesn't seem like a very good
1: posting. Right? Right. If you and we've heard it in Starfleet, you get to pick your post when you are top of the class, yeah. and he picked top of the top of
2: the class engineering ops. You think this guy would be on a galaxy,
1: yeah, or like a, a sovereign? I guess that didn't yet. Maybe a sovereign. Um, uh, let's see. He was also captain of what I assume was a last place velocity team at the <laughs> academy.
2: Yeah, we don't really know what velocity is, do we?
1: No, but I bet Kent State fucking laid the smackdown on him.
2: probably if Harry Kim's your team captain Captain. it's it's really I mean it's Kent State and it's the Academy and then it's um, uh, Louisiana Monroe
0: (laughs) I was going to say how
1: many schools have been mentioned in Enterprise at least we know Cal and Stanford still exist but I don't know
2: that's true but that's 200 years previous yeah
1: I don't know how many schools have been mentioned in this era um anyway he lays it all on the line for love whatever Um, TP is a secret wingman for Harry. Tuvok wouldn't let him wingman on that dumb planet with Tank Girl, but he hasn't let that stop him. He's gonna be a wingman, for sure.
2: No, he's backed up, wingman style.
1: That's right, exactly. It's a different kind. It's, but equally frustrating, I assume. Uh, Seven goes out of her way to cheer up Harry at the end. Again, that's all I could read into that. Otherwise, I don't know what was happening. Um... Chaco manages not to interrogate this guy the Maki way I already said which is a big step for him that was the character growth that I had identified (laughs) Um, but you're right Janeway does realize her shit is weird and again I just I don't think I give any points because I don't know what they're gonna do with that in the future my guess is nothing
2: I mean that is the best we assume that next week in the episode course colon oblivion there was probably full pirate
1: (laughs) again. damn what I can't believe I have to do that one.
2: (laughs) Yeah an episode with a colon and it's bad that's bad news. Um,
1: Yeah just they just just uh, get
2: to do part one of a Deep
1: Space Nine two-parter next week. Is it really only the one part though or do we gotta do two bits?
2: Uh, I think they're broken I think in Purgatory Shadow and by Inferno's Light together are a two-parter.
1: Uh, they definitely broken, that's for sure. There's some stuff that happens in that episode that's wild. Um, I give it a three. I'm giving it an extra point. I had it as a two, but you're right that they did try. They tried a little bit. So three points for them. What about quick hitters? Uh, I can only assume this lady is sexing Harry because she looked around at the rest of the Voyager crew and went, "Or fuck, I guess. But like she had to do. He looks an alien. the most
2: electrical. I don't know.
1: He could. it looks like he'll conduct pretty well. But she had to do. She an probably alien.
2: took a shot at, took a run at Tuvok, but he was too logical or something, you know.
1: Well, he told her he was married, and even though he definitely wanted to bang her, you know.
2: <laughs> well, now nowadays, when a woman slightly comes onto him, he just skips right to the mind meld. <laughs>
1: he says, Let me just save you, save you a hot and minute she, here, and she, and she goes, smiles and nods. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> he didn't even ask her he just like put his hands all over her. oh god <laughs> all right uh i got a super long ad break after the teaser thanks paramount plus Plus. and the first ad was a psa for pubic hair that's not a joke just don't... it just said say hashtag say pubic what yes <laughs> i'm telling you the truth that's the ad I got during this episode. It was a PSA hey, think, about how it's okay to have pubic hair. People spent money on that.
2: I got an idea, dude. I don't think uh, I don't think the app is broken. I think you have a virus and it broke your app. <laughs> my my Amazon hey, Fire
1: TV got a virus on it.
2: <laughs> uh, I ain't never seen a commercial. I, sw- I got a Paramount super Plus, long Except ad for the 20-second ad for Brave Strange New Worlds or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh yeah I got, I think I got a lot of ads during this one episode. I didn't, haven't had any other ad breaks in any other episodes, but in this one I got a bunch of them. And the first one was for just for pubic hair. Just so I, that I we're aware no of it. Sense. And the show came back on whatever 90 seconds after that just, and I was really from
2: the Muff Council of America I, or I, what? That's what I'm
1: saying. I didn't actually read the fine print. They didn't they didn't say it out loud who did it, but like it was just like hey, it's okay to have pubic hair. We just wanted the society to be aware about that. Uh, I mean, I agree,
2: but it's weird.
1: I was very confused. Um, Worst actor candidate for me, this Canadian refugee hiding out in the uh, Jeffrey's tubes. (laughs) Lots of oots and a boots from this guy for sure. (laughs) It's good to know that happens on other worlds too. That's it for me.
2: Uh, okay, these aliens, the ones who Ben think are extra tall. Yeah, he said that
1: a couple or, of times. I didn't notice that, but yeah, maybe.
2: Or, or they're just doing camera angles or something. But these guys seem like they're all dressed to go play Parisi Squares to me.
1: Oh, sure. They're like, wearing. Not
2: in the exact colors that the Enterprise crew wears, but like, it looks like a Parisi Squares outfit.
1: Yeah, they're wearing uh, what I assume is the 24th century equivalent of Champions uh f- yep. fitness line. It's not the best, but it's you know, they got a good discount on a bulk. No, it's order. the target
2: one. It's C nine by champion, right? <laughs> That's
1: right. It was like it was a bulk order, they gotta do it for thousands of people or whatever. So
2: So in the opening scene Harry takes his jacket off, he's wearing his purple undershirt. Right. Tall pushes his undershirt up and licks as you okay. say, licks his
1: chest. Alright, yeah. Well, I don't need the full I know, I remember.
2: We cut back. To the bedroom. He's in a purple tank top. Where'd that tank top
1: come from? <laughs> he brought it. It's his sleeping. It's his jammies. You brought his jammies he with him? His j- well, he knew he was going to be staying the night with the woman of his dreams. Tall, the alien. Okay. So he brought his it old just, jammies.
2: It just seemed like they added an outfit <laughs> somehow. <laughs> you didn't.
1: You, you didn't anticipate an outfit change when they were going to imply sex.
2: You... Uh, you've never had your chest licked. All right. No one has ever asked me rub it in. After, after sex. So you liked what happened? <laughs> that's not, that's only something you ask when things went awry. Yeah.
1: It's, usually you're pretty sure whether it went pretty well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, then I wrote, does Harry think no one will notice his shuttle flying off? Is his brain electrocuted too? It turns out it is. It
1: is by love. So, yes.
2: Did the Varo leader just give up? Like this engineer is identified as the author of a synthetic parasite destroying his ship and for the rest of the episode she's basically his number 2. Yeah. And to the point where at the end when he's he's thinking about like it seems like he's thinking about maybe blowing up Voyager. Is there a way <laughs> I could blow up Voyager while this is <laughs> happening? She's just like, "No, let's not." And he's like, yeah, "All right.
1: I guess you're right. I've I've always trusted you." you've never let me astray number 2 and
2: then ultimately this separatist movement's plan is to also live in space full time and just keep exploring but they want to explore different things cuz they just go to look at a nebula that they're all mad that the ship wouldn't look at
1: that's, i think that was really i think that was the first time they ever thought about leaving and it just accelerated way quicker than they thought i the think the they're like we don't want to look at that nebula and they went i'm that's it Full mutiny. We're getting out of here. We got to look at that nebula.
2: She invented those
1: robots that night. That's right.
2: I just seemed like the B-plot was not thought out. Um, I gave best actor to probably Janeway. She and Carrie Kim are the only two that really have emotional scenes, and his yeah. are not easy to understand. <laughs> yeah, uh, I
1: mean, plus, you know, there's a Garrett problem happening as yeah, well.
2: Yeah, and then worst actor candidate I gave to either the Varro Leader or the Varro Stowaway. They were both real <laughs> stiff and weird.
1: Yep. Hey, I wonder if the Varro Leader was a Canadian. He hit it better, if he was.
2: Oh, could be I. I didn't recognize him as somebody who'd been in five other Star Treks and three Babylon Fives like normal, so. <laughs> that's
1: right. We did it, uh, man. That's one.
2: Yeah, that's it. That's Voyager. Uh, second place last week was Deep Space Nine. This week, we watched for the
1: uniform. You're supposed to say it like Cisco. You're supposed to say for the
0: uniform!
1: I think he shouts at him later in the episode. Um, All right, Cisco is at like a maki. Outpost, I don't yeah. know. Looking for clues about Michael Eddington. You remember that guy, that piece of shit.
2: I do. He's he looks real unassuming, uh-huh. but apparently,
1: criminal mastermind. He's
2: a lot, he's a lot smarter than Benjamin Sisko. <laughs> yep, uh, I guess he's, he's already fooled him twice, is all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I guess Sisko's doing this himself now. He's just just out here meeting contacts, trying to get this Eddington guy. Uh, he thinks he finds his contact, Singta, who's, uh, that's actually just Eddington with a Klingon disruptor. It's actually a Thai beer. (laughs) That's right, Singta, it's a different, yeah, that's Singta. Um, I also use different names for myself when I hold different weapons, so I call, he calls himself Singta when he's got a disruptor. I call myself Michael Eddington, weirdly, when I'm holding a Klingon disruptor.
2: Um... Is it different if you manufacture out of pieces of your uniform? You oh, know, like, the one time that cool thing happened <laughs> when well,
1: Conmel the Ugly and his good buddy Chorus—that's what they did. Sweet.
2: I think about that episode all the time.
1: Chorus needs a good we'll nickname. Talk,
2: we'll, we'll talk about it in in TNG. Chorus the, the TNG episode.
1: Chorus the oddly motivated. I never really figured out what his deal was. <laughs>
2: yep. Um. Chorus: The feeling that things used to be better in the Klingon Empire. But he can't like really explain just, to people how. <laughs> he's got a red hat that says "Make Make Kronos Great Again" on it.
1: Sometimes and, he tries to explain it to people, but then he just get going down this weird rabbit hole. He never really makes any points, and he just he's just kind of a lot. But he's always got Khan the Ugly with him. Um. All right, so Eddington marooned Cisco's contact Singtup somewhere in the Badlands that guy gonna die. Um, Cisco's been after Eddington for eight months. I guess that's how long it's been. They argue for a minute about why Cisco's still chasing him. Eddington takes a moment to point out some crimes the Federation did. Um, Eddington declines to kill Cisco and warns him not to keep coming for him or else he'll probably not kill him again. He uh, he beams onto a Machi Raider and bolts, and Cisco and the Defiant uh, trail after him. Credits. Cisco calls his colleague on the USS Malinche, with his, uh, this Hollow Viewer, stolen straight from the Great Machine on Epsilon Three, I assume. Yeah. And the Malinche. Yeah. And, it... yeah go ahead. Yes,
2: for this week, and I think probably no other weeks. <laughs> They have they've installed these hollow communicators, which allows them, I think, not to have to build interior sets for the Malinche. They don't have to so have it's any. Kind of the main thing, or like the interior of a Machi Raider.
1: Any uh, any terrible and poorly thought out uh, office set settings or bridge settings that never make any sense. Where it's like, <laughs> yes, why is that guy I, taking like, this call in his room? What's happening?
2: Exactly, it's a big problem in all of TNG and most of Deep Space Nine so far is that Picard is sitting on a huge and expansive bridge and taking uh, calls on his 300-inch TV screen. <laughs> but as, every time he calls another captain, they're in like a weird alcove with something yeah. immediately behind them. And it's just like, they're just in the little Cars room.
1: The only people who ever got it right were our boys Taypok and Tay. They had the biggest bridge I've ever seen. The thing went back like 600 miles. It was huge.
2: I think there was fog on their bridge.
1: Yeah, it was messed up. <laughs> Uh, the Milinche and the Defiant are going to tag-team this bitch. Sisko and his buddy, the Milk Toast Captain of the Week, are crazy overconfident. But when Wharf goes to fire the phasers, the whole ship breaks. Eddington taunts them and then opens fire on Defiant. He again declines to kill Sisko, but the Defiant does have to be towed back to DS9. Uh, the Defiant needs two weeks to be repaired. Worf says a couple of Bolian freighters carrying selenium and brontosaurus oxide. I wasn't paying attention. And even though, um, anyway, uh, they were uh, hijacked by the Maquis. And even though we're told what the cargo is, everyone shrugs and says, That nothing. Yep. <laughs> um, Captain Haircut of the Malinche says he's been tapped by Starfleet to go after Eddington instead, since Cisco keeps sharding in his shimmery jammies.
2: You know a lot of the time I step in and give the actual name of a character when you're just calling him Captain Haircut or whatever. I don't have it this week. I don't get that guy's name. <laughs> Missed that I one, think huh? they probably said I think it, they but said I it the first time.
1: It. Yeah. Then the rest of the time they just say contact to Malinche. Um the background music at this point says this is the lowest point in you the viewer's life. Right. This is important. Cisco hits a heavy bag steadied by a very scared Terry Farrell.
2: Yes, Dax, <laughs> I think the character is not supposed to be scared, but Avery Brooks is going all out.
1: He's going to ham on this bag. This is a ham bag, and she is not prepared for that at all.
2: Um, and she's a former model, and she's tall, but what do you think? She's 110 dripping wet?
1: Yeah, and by the way, she's not so great at all her dialogue anyway. Imagine how hard it was for her to remember it while she's getting fucking punches thrown near her. She's like blinking instinctively the entire time like she can't help yep. it <laughs> anyway he um <clears throat> he explains that while he's punching this bag that he took eddington to a baseball game and put him up for promotion they made identical best buds flower pots and pottery class with eddington get it best buds <laughs> yep <laughs> and so he's pretty he's still pretty pissed off about this whole thing um Eddington does a bioweapon on a Cardi colony. Yeah, it's not great. Mm, Yeah, making it uninhabitable to the Cardassians. But I guess safe for humans. The only species Eddington seems to care about. (laughs) He says many things in this episode about humanity and humans.
2: Uh, I mean, look, to be fair, they say that it's harmless to most species, but not Cardassians. And later on, when another thing happens, they don't really bother to... To make that claim, yeah. Uh,
1: Anyway, he's got enough Rodox and Rhinatar to keep making nasty old stink bombs, (laughs) and there aren't any other ships around for some reason. Been
2: playing Final Fantasy (laughs) six.
1: So anyway, Cisco decides to take the broken ass Defiant out again. Nog's gonna be like. The communicator between the bridge and engineering and the ship can't cloak or beam or replicate or like be stable.
2: We're doing a submarine movie.
1: Yes, yes. We're, we're, now they had to come up with a reason to make it more submariney. Mm-hmm. Um but in a self aware twist, the Hollow Viewer works fine.
2: <laughs> yes. Well it's brand new, so it never had the virus.
1: Mm-hmm. A dumb montage of the crew figuring this broken ship thing out. Blah blah, blah. they find Eddington. Who appears on their bridge in hollow form to taunt them yet again. Eddington sends over Le to hammer home a very forced metaphor about Cisco's weird personal vendetta. Eddington pieces out and the Maki Raider they found that's just a tricky old probe. It's just sending off the fake signals. That's not the real ship. And they rush back out of the Badlands where they found it to find a crippled USS Malinche. They got tricked real good too. And that captain yeah. sends over a stolen coded signal from Eddington to to be decoded, I guess. Uh, Odo gets on that. He finds it's just a Breen nursery rhyme, but he thinks they're using uh that that means they're using a Breen outpost to hide the weapons components, since those things need to be kept so cold. And well, <laughs> you know about you the know Breen. You know about the Breen. So. Yes, yeah, uh, cold on Breen. And I guess all At the this places point they go. we still have
2: never seen a Breen, right?
1: I don't believe... Uh, no, I don't believe We're we We're
2: building have. the myth of the Breen, and eventually we next will week. see them.
1: We see one next week.
2: Okay, cool. So,
1: <laughs> when you told me what the episode was, that's I figured it out. Well, either next week or the week after. I don't remember. Um, Cisco confirms. Um, Maquis really are using that system for the weapon storage, but he's got a big decision on his hands. There are two possible targets for the Maquis, they think. And they gotta choose which one. They gotta they gotta figure out where Eddington's gonna be and stop him. But this is nothing, because Cisco picks the right target, but they're too late anyway. Yep. Uh, Eddington has done the deed, and he's leaving. And in order to escape the Defiant, he shoots a Cardassian transport and leaves it helpless and, like, fallen out of orbit. So... Eddington tells Cisco, it's either come after him or let the Cardassians die. So... You know, Sisko saves the Cardies. Because these writers can't trust us, Sisko has to explain the plot of Les Miserables to Dax. Sisko uses it to psychoanalyze Eddington and decides Eddington thinks he's the good guy, the hero. And so Sisko's gonna give him what he wants. He'll be the big old bad guy and make Eddington sacrifice himself to save the day or whatever. Yep. Without talking to Starfleet, he just walks out of the room. He decides to use his own bioweapon on a Maquis colony. He warns the Maquis ahead of time that the planet's about to become uninhabitable to humans for the next 50 years. And invites them to leave. Eddington tries to call his bluff, but Cisco is not bluffing. He does a dirty bomb in the atmosphere on this planet. And um, then Cisco sets a course for the next colony. And Eddington initially offers his bioweapons in exchange for... Cisco not doing that. But Cisco insists on getting Eddington too. Eddington calling Cisco Javert over and over agrees. There's like a weird Solomon's Wisdom thing happens in the captain's log where the Federation citizens are going <laughs> to live on the Mestacardi worlds and vice versa. I don't know. It's always yeah, in the captain's log where they reveal stuff.
2: That's how we're supposed to look at Cisco from now on without spitting when we see him. <laughs> It tur- turns out it was all a plan.
1: Yeah, that's totally fine too. I'm sure none of those people mind any of what happened. Um, yep,
2: the Cardassians love bre- breathing trilithium resin, and humans <laughs> love living with that biogenic.
1: It weapon, turns out, is it weapon. actually, it's better for humans to be in that atmosphere now. Cisco and Dex have
2: great fingernails <laughs> from all the selenium.
1: Cisco and Dax celebrate a truly horrifying episode in Starfleet history. End. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. What was this? Maybe the greatest of all Uh, episodes about.
2: Ben says the ends justify the means, and it's another step in the War is Hell arc, and it's not a great look, and he gives it a two.
1: Sure, that sounds fair.
2: I'm going to say this is at least our second or third bite at the idea that understanding your adversary's worldview and motivations can present the solution to otherwise difficult problems. hmm but I don't know. Eddington spends the whole episode telling Cisco this isn't personal for him. And ultimately, that's the key. Like, the whole Maquis conflict isn't personal for Eddington. Yep. He's not from the DMZ. He's another Thomas Riker yeah. out there to prove something about himself and Get about out the my kind notes. of person he is.
1: Stay out of my notes, you little fuck!
2: And that's the angle Cisco uses to reel him in. But, know your enemy is a 2,000-year-old doctrine at least, so this is... <laughs> It's just not a hot take. Oh, so um, we might have heard of that. So uh, while I don't certainly don't disagree, I could not give it more than three points for this.
1: Okay. um, Here's what I got.
2: Only the portal of the Takan Empire hadn't <laughs> heard about Sunset And he'd
1: yet. been around for a long time.
2: Yeah.
1: He'd never heard it, though. Maybe he was just impressed to by Riker's confidence. To be fair, he confidence. was asleep
2: for ten... 10- 40,000 years before Sun Tzu was born, so whatever.
1: It's true. I think he was more impressed by Riker's confidence, though. He's like, this beef that- wit really thinks he's got it. I'm interested in this. Um, Sometimes. To do the right thing? <laughs> you gotta do a wrong thing, man. <laughs> Cisco thinks getting Eddington is the really important outcome. It is not clear why he thinks this. I mean, it is clear. It's personal. So he's willing to hit the Maki with a dirty bomb, maybe several. We don't know how far he was willing to go. Uh he might have done them all. He's been mad about the Maki since Cal Hudson. Another one. They say out of my fucking notes.
2: Like I guess Cal Hudson, uh, Cassidy Yates,
1: the Maki <laughs> are a real thorn in this guy's side. Frankly, I, uh, I guess this is true in certain cases, and that's not nothing. So I can grant it points, but I mean, there are obvious problems with this episode. Uh, I'm going to give it a four. All right. Uh, what about Exumacution? Before I flip into mine, I will say that Ben gave this a two. Sisko uh, consistently outwitted by Eddington. Um, Eddington even shows the other Captain Mercy, but then Sisko's brilliant plan is just to become a terrorist using Starfleet's best ship. Uh, and then it's all fine at the end because they swap planets and live on. What the fuck? Yeah, all, all fair. Uh, so anyway, my problem with what I said was, does anything happen in this episode that would lead you to believe this is anything other than a personal vendetta by Cisco? No. I mean, they talk about it a bunch and he offers nothing in the way of a greater good scenario to support these wild unsanctioned attacks.
2: No, in fact, he just constantly doubles down about how Eddington is his problem, because mm-hmm. he should've known that there was something fishy about the guy, et cetera, et cetera, and he's supposed to make he's supposed to be a good judge of character and blah, blah blah, and that's his job as the captain. He just can he just doubles and triples down on why this is his problem, yeah,
1: so is the take that I gave actually true of this episode? I don't think so, right. There's no real greater good that Cisco seems to be searching for. He does want to solve the Eddington problem, but it's like it's almost like he hasn't said to us, but he believes that after he solves the Eddington problem, the Maquis problem is solved, or something. Right. But we never get anything frankly, like
2: don't that. Don't the Maquis kind of disappear from the story after this point?
1: Well, it's since we've talked about all of the Maquis that have hurt Cisco, it is very strange that the way they go down is uh, the Jemadar killed them all off-screen. Spoiler alert, everybody. Right. Uh, the Jemadar just killed them all. You just go, well, that's it. Off-screen. Okay. Um, so yes, we don't see a, a ton more after this. Um, the lack of any repercussions or consequences for Sisko and his crew is wild. It's clearly mm-hmm. not Picard's or Jean's Starfleet anymore. Um, here's where I said, I guess this plot wouldn't have worked if Thelonious Riker had escaped from Cardassia or whatever. Because like Cisco didn't have a personal stake, he was barely in that episode. He was just hanging out with Ducat, right? Yeah, that was a uh, that was that was Riker and Kira. Yeah, exactly. That was the one where... Kira
2: Duk- episode where she kept calling him Starfleet and trying to prove him to, <laughs> to prove to him that he there was no middle ground that he had to be a terrorist or be Starfleet.
1: Exactly. So that's why they couldn't just resurrect Thelonious Riker because they wanted this to be a Cisco plot. Um. Yeah, that was the one where he and Dukat were hanging out. And Scott's like, my kid's birthday is t- it's today. I was going to take him to Licarian City for the fucking raging waters they got there. And now he's going to hate me forever. He's not going to care what I why I did it. He's just going to remember the birthday he didn't get to go to Licarian City. And spoiler alert, he's not going to get to go. No, oh, Something happens to Licarian City. Um. So anyway, so you couldn't have it be that. So they had to write this Eddington plot. But he's the same character, as you pointed out. He's, like, playing hero. He's had no personal stake in it. He just, like, wants to be a cool, sacrificial hero for whatever reason. So then I was like, well, what about his old buddy, Cal Hudson, from the early days, who turned Maquis? Whatever happened to him? Because, honestly, I can't fucking remember. Did he die or go to Clinton prison? Lived. Escape? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I honestly can't recall. So maybe they can't do it because they he beefed it. I don't remember. I'm not gonna look it up. Uh, That's not
2: what I'm doing. You don't hear anything.
1: <laughs> but anyway, he would have been fun to have in Eddington's place. That would have been nice. But you know, once they did this thing eight months ago, this was always gonna be the Eddington show. So it doesn't make sense for me to talk about it now, I guess. But like, I was just thinking. Um all the Le miz stuff is so on the nose and they hammer it so hard the whole time. It's so amateurish, but I mean, it's just sci-fi. So.
2: Well, listen, I'll be honest. I was kind of glad because when it started with him talking about how this isn't personal, you don't have to come after me, I was like, "Or are we doing Starfleet's or Star Trek's favorite thing, Moby Dick? Is this another <laughs> Moby Dick?"
1: Yep, they do love that. Um, the Hollow Viewer thing is super cheesy but will seem even cheesier when we realize they never use it again. Yeah. The stakes go up a lot in this episode, but for some reason, Starfleet's got no ships to throw out the problem. <laughs> Where's Jellico or whoever? This is the DMZ. It's wild that
2: with the constant mucky problems, which uh-huh. are only getting worse, and the proximity of Cardassia to the wormhole, sure, where the Jem'Hadar are, that there are not a bunch of ships in the area. They literally are like,
1: there's no other ships. That's why he's got a... he, why he takes the Broken Defiant out there. Jellicoe should have a whole squadron out there. Are they... You would think. They're using bioweapons out here.
2: Just one nebula. Just get the fucking... <laughs> get, the,
1: get the Phoenix back.
2: <laughs> just get the Phoenix out there under, you know... Whoever. Ben Maxwell's second-in-command. I hope that guy went to prison. Um... But it can't have been good for his career.
1: I don't know. It should warrant a pretty spr- strong response, but there's just no one there. And like you said, the wormhole and surrounding area should have like a hundred starships already. this It's a dumb show. It's not a smart show.
2: This is the theater for the Federation right now. I would think so. There should be a bunch of ships there.
1: All that being said.
2: But then that would that would cause the problem of why is any of this Ben Sisko's problem? Exactly.
1: It wasn't a terrible watch. Avery Brooks gets to be mad for 40 minutes. I always enjoy seeing the heroes face someone smarter than them. Like the way Fresca used to just fucking pwn Voyager every episode. <laughs>
2: so like She really did have their number.
1: I don't know, it could have been worse, but there's so much dumb in here. So I can only give it a, a three.
2: Well, it's going to be a three for me also. The, of course, the shittiest thing about this episode is that Cisco unleashes a chemical weapon on a planet-wide scale without any repercussions, without Starfleet's knowledge or consent, mm-hmm. and it gets hand-waved away as a planet trade, and Dax tells him how much she admires him for doing
1: it. It's so great, because that's what the Maki are so mad about in the first place. Yep. It's that they've been traded away.
2: Yes, and, and then it he ends just, with it. That's the solution. It's another trade. Goes,
1: oh, they're to they're going to be fine with this. Everything's good. You're going to love this trade. Yep. It's crazy.
2: Uh, so we're not just left with the conclusion that Eddington sees himself as the good guy. We kind of have to ask if he is. Oh, sure. Uh, of course, he poisoned two planets himself and used a bunch of human shields, Cardassian human shields, to escape capture. Yeah, so not like a really good guy, for sure. <laughs> right. But what Cisco <laughs> does, Picard wouldn't do, and I don't think Kirk would do. No. You know who would? Janeway. Catherine Quantum Leap Janeway, putting things right that once went wrong.
1: <laughs> Janeway would for sure.
2: She would for sure say, well, let's bomb one of theirs. Do you or think season three pirate archer. But Thank not you so season much. four archer. Thank I want to be clear about this. I really... Just season three
1: archer. I'm glad you said that because I was literally about to say, what about the pelvic expanse archer? And yeah, He's that is the what only you're saying. One.
2: Yes. The guy who stole the warp
1: core from that ship and then presumably <laughs> left them there to die. Tamar beefed it out there. You know it. You can't survive without his warp core?
2: Ugh. Um. Episode-wise, the submarine stuff is all tacked on, as usual, just because some writer watched a sub-movie on TV sure. uh, and thought it was really cool. It doesn't add anything, especially when one of the main tenets of sub-movies is that you can't talk or know anything about the enemy sub-commander. Yeah. You can only fall in love with them from afar, like Mark <laughs> Leonard's Romulan Commander.
1: Exactly correct. That's why that one scored so well. But in
2: this episode, Eddington is basically standing on the bridge all of the time because he stole a Hall Communicator 2. Yep. So overall, um, I thought it was a pretty mediocre effort and I gave it a three.
1: Okay. Uh, well, what about world building? There was certainly some wild shit going on.
2: Uh, ben gives it a two. He says an old Excelsior is a reasonable replacement for the Defiant and should be strong enough to take on one or more Maki Raiders. You think um, so? Yeah. Species-specific nerve agents, etc. For me, we have the hollow communicators. At this point, I'm just going to pretend like I think they'll be there next
0: week. <laughs>
1: sure. Well, they definitely um, talked about them a lot. So
2: we see a bunch of manual ship procedures. We have these very targeted uh, bioweapons and viruses. People still read Les Misérables, and uh, oh, there's a clear escalation in the DMZ. Pretty clear. So I thought there actually is some world building this week and I gave it as much as a four. Okay. Um Hey, I didn't this is not one of my written quick hitters, so I'll just do it here, but uh Le is was huge. Cisco wasn't really reading it, right? <laughs> when Dax goes in and looks at him, Cisco Although he had a pad in front of him and although we saw that Eddington sent him lame as he had the Cliff's notes or something
1: or just no, a Wikipedia page. He walked into his office, slammed the pad down on the table and went, Computer, synthesize <laughs> And then it, it told him what happened in the in the plot.
2: Yeah, so for for me.
1: Yeah, let's see, uh the various mocky complaints against the Federation got these bioweapons. We got the computer virus that takes down the Defiant. The USS Malinche is Excelsior class. We got Communicator Nog and all the, like you said, the manual ship operations. We got Hollow viewers. The Breen like the cold. We know that. Starfleet must hate the Maquis so much to let Cisco's shit go. It's... We'll never know, I guess. Well, I have to take that as confirmation that Starfleet just fucking hates these guys. <laughs> this is look, everyone,
2: everyone got a pass for about ten years after the Nora Sati thing blew up. Sure, I think we just have to assume there were re- a lot of big repercussions after Admiral Thomas Henry walked out. <laughs> And she just ranted and raved like a lunatic. And probably all of her previous investigations got overturned Sure, after that happened. They looked
1: into her shit, 100%.
2: And then for like 10 years, nobody was looking into stuff too close. Probably right until after Janeway got back, and then people started reading her logs, and they were like, we already promoted (sighs) her. Son of a bitch. All right, shit. (laughs) Yeah, probably five years after Janeway got back, someone wrote a book, and it (laughs) went to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. And Starfleet was like, okay, so we don't just have an image problem here now. We actually
1: do need to start. There need yeah. to start
2: being consequences.
1: It was again. a Pentagon Papers of the future where they just, mm-hmm. someone got access to all of Janeway's logs and went, what? <laughs> Hold on a minute. Um, by the way, that Thomas Henry thing. It's like the it's forever going to be my favorite scene, including a, a character who just doesn't say anything just no lines just no lines in the whole episode just shows up and goes he does a great job of looking
2: like he smells shit standing (laughs) up and leaving
1: yep um is the Maki even more of a homo sapiens only club than Starfleet I get you get like the random bajora who show up because they hate the Cardis but it seems more like a keep the DMZ for the Terrans kind of deal
2: yep I mean, Eddington does say make a point to say and
1: these are humans. Thank you. Yes. I get to it my characterization about Eddington. Um anyway, I agreed it was a 4. There's a lot happening in this episode. Though I could see less if you were if you just hated it.
2: <clears throat> I mean, I hate that there are no repercussions, but <sighs>
1: <laughs> but also it's very believable for Starfleet.
2: It is sort sort of believable. <laughs> Listen, last week uh Picard gave a whole speech about how many times he's violated the prime directive. Yeah, he did
1: when he made his kind of We I mean, again, the only way I could read it was he knows this guy is a jelly brain, but like he's got to really butter up to him a little bit. Yeah, he has be, an
2: obligation here.
1: Yeah. Uh characterization. Um Ben says Nog being reintroduced to the audience for no reason. He just repeats what Cisco says. cisco could just say it directly to engineering. Lame. Um apparently as a cadet, he's rated to this is all about Nog. He's rated to go into battle, so there's that. And he says Eddington's growth a bit as a sympathetic character. Again, is he that sympathetic? Diluted by his own sense of grand martyrdom, which eventually is his undoing. Um Here's what I said. Eddington finds it especially despicable that the Federation did some shit to humans, man. Humans yep. like him and Cisco. Yep. Also critically important. He sees himself as the selfless sacrificing hero and falls to Cisco's heel turn, gambit. Um Odo gets to say I told you so about being replaced by Eddington, which is kinda nice actually. Dax says Cisco is more like Curzon all the time, and for once he says yeah. You wanna get slapped around? <laughs> like for the first time someone didn't just go, oh, what a great guy. Uh Cisco takes all of this mocky stuff very personally, and you know what doesn't help? Getting pwned over and over and over again by them. <laughs> just constantly. He does some wild shit in this one that we've foreshadowed on this project. Many, like We've talked about it so many times of the things that Cisco's going to do. Just and, real
0: quick,
2: would it be better if he had a Brooklyn Nine-Nine-style relationship like Jake Peralta has with Doug Judy? Uh, the, Doug Judy is constantly poning him. The Pontiac Bandit still, or whatever? He, yeah, the Pontiac Bandit, race, <laughs> but he still really loves him. <laughs> it would be pretty good.
1: I do always enjoy those episodes. Whenever I realize it's a Doug Judy episode, I go, oh, good. Um. anyway we talked about this happening many many times now it has happened that was the thing that we kept talking about was when Cisco yes. does a dirty bomb
2: I made reference to this dirty bomb plot a lot of times
1: Worf gives a look like I don't want to do a dirty bomb but then he meekly presses the button anyway that's yeah. some honorable fucking warrior shit right there mm-hmm. he didn't even threaten to mutiny like he always does on TNG mm-hmm. he just went Huh? I Worf's guess I got a Pretty
2: it. broken man at this point. I think so. Like, if you think about what's happened to Worf since he came to Deep Space Nine, he's been kicked out of the Klingon Empire again. Yeah. He he had his brother's memory erased.
1: Yeah, that's really on he him. He helped
2: though. Quark when the love of a Klingon <laughs> woman that he himself was infatuated with. He became a terrorist
1: <laughs> on Risa. It happens a lot on this show. A lot of people are just becoming terrorists. Worse, again, I just bad. have to say, this was before 9-11, and I guess you could just write a plot where one of the characters just becomes a terrorist for a week. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh, yep. He's just having a bad run. Yeah.
1: Is Quark not in this, or did I miss him? Was he in this
2: one? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What so about Quark Bashir, or like, Jaco? Was
1: Jaco in this? No, Jake wasn't,
2: but Quark and Bashir were in a Little League scene that oh, okay. took place in the bar. Missed and it. that scene got cut. Ah. Oh. And I assume... That Shimmerman got himself a big payday when that happened.
1: I also assume that.
2: That's got to be a contractual
1: violation. I mean, he had to at least get paid for like he did the episode, I would think. But yeah, maybe more. Last week's
2: was the first episode Dax wasn't in.
1: Okay. Well, war is hell, and they are going to have even more characters soon. God, soon we're going to be like following the Dominion cadre... We're going to be following the Starfleet peeps. We're going to be following action. All the way. there's going to be so many characters. Going to be like Kai win stuff happen. There's going to be so much happening. Yeah, it gets crazy how many characters are on this show. Um, I gave it a four.
2: Well, we're a little bit apart. Okay. On this one, <laughs> not in, um, and
1: not in a way where you gave it an eight is what I'm guessing. <laughs>
2: No, that's not what happened this week. Uh, Cisco is an absolute foaming loon in this episode, and no one but Eddington calls him on it. No. He's all heavy bags and trilithium resin. And then, like you say, how about Worf? He had to stand trial.
1: Yeah.
2: Trial in a courtroom for accidentally icing a cargo ship last year during the Klingon (laughs) War. And now he's going to push the button on this chemical weapon? Yeah,
1: okay, so you know how I said that him erasing Kern's memory, that one was on him? Yeah. I kind of feel like this one's not on him in this way. Is anyone ever going to make Worf learn a lesson? <laughs> he punched the opposing counsel in that court. He did. And he he got off. In the end, he got off. Yeah,
2: because it turns out it was shenanigans but like yeah
1: but he didn't even do he didn't even do his most basic job at that trial which was not to hit the opposing council couldn't even do that the guy never gets in trouble
2: oh, well he has that letter in his file he has the
0: letter is filed
1: for doing is, an assassination
2: all i'm saying is as soon as cisco said let's get some trilithium warheads on those torpedoes <laughs> should have uh, been riding out the rest of the mission in the break he
1: should have said <laughs> yep. you know what
2: i'm not gonna do it i don't really know put me in the brig and we'll deal with it later
1: honestly i don't even want to know what you mean why why you want me to do that i'm just not gonna do it (laughs) just no i'm just gonna say no and you know what i know where the brig is so i'm just gonna walk right down there
2: (laughs) uh eddington has the moral high ground until he starts releasing bioweapons himself but it's still a little hard not to see him as the good guy this week so who do you like Mm. odo gets a snotty point in about starfleet not trusting him
1: i did like that because they deserve it
2: yeah but but it wasn't
1: cisco that didn't trust him so it, yeah but you remember cisco didn't really go to bat for him he's like i, oh, mean, I, he I tried buddy <laughs> you know Look, me. cisco
2: cisco doesn't go to yeah, bat exactly for people. <laughs> picard goes to bat for people cisco doesn't uh, go to yeah. bat for people uh dax likes it when the bad guy wins Yes. terrorism expert Kira completely silent this week. She's on the bridge. She's on the ship. She's on the mission. Nothing to say about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it's not Thelonious Riker.
2: Yeah, that's true. O'Brien makes kind of a racist crack about Nog's hearing. Mm. And Nog is afraid of the uh, exploding bridge like it's the first time he's ever thought about what being in Starfleet might mean. Yeah, they all
1: explode all the time, Nog. It's the
2: only thing that happens on the bridge. So I didn't really (laughs) like anyone this week and I gave it a one.
1: (laughs) Nice. I mean it's true. Of course it's true. Uh well then quick hitters. Yeah, nothing from Ben, but I have some. Uh
2: Cisco is undercover on this planet, and as soon as he goes into the behind those curtains and he can't see anyone in the room, he reaches into his vest and starts pulling out phaser two and mm-hmm. it he doesn't even get it partly out before that disruptor's on his head. You got to use Phaser 1 when you're undercover. Yeah,
1: dude. That shit's so tiny. You just slide that. You just keep that in your palm the whole time.
2: Uh huh. You can just palm it the entire time.
1: It's a little so, baby phaser.
2: I know. Phaser 2 is stronger than Phaser 1. Yeah, but we you don't need to go lesson. to
1: 16, man. It don't matter.
2: Yeah. We learned that one very clearly in TOS. Yeah. We'll have Phaser 2. <laughs> We've offered them resettlement, it's such a weak comeback from Cisco. Yeah. When they start talking about the Maquis issues, the Federation has empty planets and unlimited resources. Did they offer
1: them resettlement don't oh, no. them? You know, Drain the on one. Draylon 2? Draylon 2. two.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we, we assume. They could probably give every one of these displaced families in the DMZ a huge estate somewhere pre built with all their replicator technology. Mm-hmm. And all Cisco says is, we offered them resettlement. Yeah.
1: That is like, much weaker than so when he weak. just says, I'm not here to debate. That's better. Say that.
2: Yes. Uh, the new holo communicator looks just like they're right on the bridge with you, so no one has to build a bridge set, and we don't have to wonder why every other Starfleet captain takes the call from some tiny alcove.
1: And they didn't do a thing where they're, like, little or something, so they had to do effects. Right. They're just No, they're just standing there. There's there's no effects at all, and
2: <laughs> behind the scenes, that's the reason why we never see the holo communicator again. It's because when they saw it on screen, they were like, no, it. It just looks like he's standing there. Like, like you he can't he tell beamed that it's, there. Yeah, it just looks like he beamed in. It doesn't. It's nothing. Yeah. Uh, someone else, Matthew is must be sensitive about his height. Uh, Cisco's boxing shoes have really thick soles. <laughs> so I guess he doesn't really like standing next to Terry Farrell in athletic shoes. Maybe he's his boots sure. have a little lift in them. We don't see.
1: You know, sometimes I wonder if that's the crazy behind the scenes people the same people who give her the padded bras and stuff. If they're like, well, he's a man. Could be
2: like, he's, he should be taller.
1: He, she's, uh, to be the captain, you have to be taller. Everyone knows this. I'm pretty sure Kirk said it at least once. <laughs> right.
2: Uh, I mean, Kirk's boots had Cuban heels, but everyone's <laughs>
1: did, so I don't know. <laughs> That's right. That was just the cool style of the 2260s.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, also, whose idea was the workout smock he's wearing? Yep. His weird boxing smock? Mm-hmm so no one you know by the time they have Tuvok having people running laps their workout clothing seems a little more reasonable but in this one it's pretty whack yeah I don't think they practiced this submarine acting quite enough it did not work for me all if- of the repeating of orders and everyone talking over each other it did not feel like a submarine movie it just felt like they were doing a, a play or they were in the space shuttle simulator at Westmont <laughs>
1: It was like they, um, they all read the read ahead in the script, and they read that that part didn't matter—the part where they were on a submarine. It's like, if this is only going to matter for the montage or whatever, then this isn't important because they did not put a lot of thought into it.
2: Like Ben, I was surprised that the only other ship in the Badlands was a hundred-year-old Excelsior-class ship. Like, I guess we don't know. It could be a brand new Excelsior-class ship. They sure. seem to make a ton of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're gonna learn we, in the space war. God damn the space war. They just used, they got like hundreds of galaxy-class ships just out of nowhere and hundreds of Mirandas and just everything.
2: We've already seen the Lakota, so. Right. I guess we know that people still, people still fight in these Excelsiors. Yeah. Uh, This guest captain was giving such an odd performance that... At the time of his last appearance, I was ninety percent convinced that he was Maki also.
1: But <laughs> that would have been great if Cisco had been gone again. Yeah. If he's like about to catch Anything and then the Malinche fucking fires on him or something. Yeah. And
2: this is nothing, Matthew, but surely you know at least one theme from quetal and Panora. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very close.
0: Those could uh, have that's... reasonably
1: been the right the right names of the Klingon uh, opera right. characters.
2: Uh, I gave Best Actor to Nobody, and Worst Actor to that Guest Captain, who was the Reed Section 31 contact from Enterprise.
1: Oh, that's where I recognize him from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and uh, Babylon 5, for sure. Also, he was in Babylon
2: 5, of course, mm-hmm. yeah. So, <clears> what you
1: got? I never, uh, I never do a lot of quick hitters when I'm doing the uh, description, so I just have... The ship's broken, but Dax must still be having the computer do math for her, since she asks for the thrusters to pitch up at 16 degrees, which would be such a weirdly specific number to ask for if you were just eyeballing it or whatever.
2: I agree. Would, Especially if you're just trying to get out of the way of the station.
1: Yeah, you would just you pick a big up number.
2: Enough? Exactly. You
1: just miss the station by a l- I don't know why she tries to miss the station by just a little. Is that cool? Is it cooler?
2: I didn't find it cool. Did you I find didn't, it cool? I
1: found it very irresponsible, actually. Like trying to leave space dock at greater than thrusters or whatever you're not supposed to do. Star Trek 2. Whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, so that was it for me. And again, no quick hitters from Ben. So that's two.
2: Well, we're making pretty good time here. Hell yeah. But last week's winner was TNG the one we talk about the most this (laughs) week we watched new ground (laughs) sorry new ground yes
1: and by the way the reason we talk about kind of a, a tin man judgment on that sure the reason we talk about this one way more than the others is because unless it's a Thelonious Riker turns Maquee episode, it has way more <laughs> freaks than the others.
0: That
2: is true. Um Although this one's not real freaksy.
1: Yeah, but he gets in there though, doesn't He gets
2: a couple of scenes. <laughs> Enterprise is at Bellana three mm. to study a new propulsion method, Soliton Waves, and Geordi is fucking pumped, but everyone stiff arms him about it. Yeah.
1: I felt bad for the character and the actor. Yeah. He has to go call some
2: random engineer off screen and walk out of there so he's not around when Worf's mom calls.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, to say they're on a nearby freighter um, and she's got his boy with her.
1: Imagine how weird that would be. He doesn't play it nearly weird enough.
2: No, she just fucking showed up at his work. I'm on a freighter. His
1: work is hella far away. Hey, it's me, your old mom from Minsk. Hey, I'm on a freighter nearby, like (laughs) near you. They got your kid. I would immediately be like, she's dropping this kid off. That's it.
2: Now now she's from Minsk, but they live on the farming colony of Galt, right?
1: Oh, I thought they went back to Earth. I thought he always said they sent him back to Earth. So I thought they went back. I think they're they're from Galt, and now they live in Minsk. And now they live in Minsk? Fuck it. Because it's the Galt of. The first <laughs> Well, this boy is
2: big when he beams over. Yeah. In his jacket that is 50% pockets. <laughs> and he spills the beans real early. He's there to stay. That's right. Worf's mom doesn't want to come right out with it in Ten Forward. But they just can't handle this little guy anymore. Because they're old and also he's a little liar.
1: Yep, yeah, he's a little piece of shit. Has a bad attitude.
2: She gives him this report right up at the top. So it's not like she was really trying to keep it from him but like that's the deal with Alexander. He's a little fucking liar. Yeah. Worf has a very awkward walk with him down to the classroom to meet his new teacher. But Alexander's got ADHD or whatever. It, we don't know, because no one really looks into his behavioral problems too much in this one. It's just, like, embarrassing for Worf. That's the main thing about it. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, well, I, and probably generations of Klingons before Worf. Well,
2: yeah, that too. Um, Worf is late for a meeting with Picard, which you know he hates. Well, on this ship, that could,
1: Riker might just come in and demand that you be transferred.
2: <laughs> right. Um, Picard wants to talk about, I don't know, new security officers or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, But they keep getting interrupted by calls about Alexander. You know, Alexander's being onboarded and
1: there's a lot of stuff, a lot of forms and shit. They got to know his birthday. They got to know, like, his medical ID number or whatever. Uh All kinds of shit.
2: Um, And Picard says the right things about it but he is also very clearly irritated by these interruptions. It could not be more clear in his body average body (laughs) language. So is we're supposed to ignore that is what I want to (laughs) know.
1: Just knowing generally speaking, because the captain often talks about it, that he's anti kid. He hates kids. Uh Uh-huh. Doesn't want any kids around.
2: And yeah. And Picard says, you're not the first officer to, uh, have to to be a parent on this ship, et cetera, et cetera. But like every time one of these calls happens, Picard fucking (laughs) leans forward and puts his head down and (laughs) takes deep breaths. Real tough. Um, They start setting up the Soliton wave tests with a Dr. Jadar. Um, They're going to shoot a wave at another planet and a ship's going to surf on it. And then the other planet's going
1: to shoot a wave to stop them. Shouldn't they have just like shot near the planet?
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't want oh, yep. to I don't want to get ahead of
1: myself, but I mean, I feel yeah, like they uh, should let's just not jump three it. minutes
2: ahead, but yeah, they should have. <laughs> Up on the bridge, Troy encourages Wharf to go on a father-son field trip for the primary school to meet all the other dads. Um Yo, how, many
1: and... uh-huh. how many kids are on this ship? How many kids are on this ship that they have a father-son field trip was it going to be like four dads?
2: I mean it turns out to be like four dads yeah, but once when they're able think. to kidnap about 15 or 16 white children <laughs> I
1: guess but that's, that's, well, those those were all the white kids that I gathered
2: yeah yeah, yeah 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 um they go on he goes on this field trip uh everybody gets a real sad lesson about the extinct white rhinos and then they meet the corvin gilvos mm. another species that the enterprise is ferrying somewhere to save from extinction and alexander tries to steal a little toy lizard but he gets caught yeah Worf gives him a big lecture on honor and shows him his cool statue of naked dudes wrestling yes and alexander promises it won't happen again and Worf then you know he even tells troy he's got it it's all good stay out of his business doesn't Mm -hmm. listen when she tries to tell him it's usually not this easy right uh, yeah he's a real test. he's like
1: lol in this one he's like without understanding it i uh, somehow, mastered, somehow it. mastered it yeah exactly
2: they blast a test ship into warp with the soliton wave The enterprise snuggles up close to it in a chase position it works pretty good at first but then like then it like too good then it works too good
1: yeah it's going and then it works so not good efficient enough. and going so fast and then it's less efficient
2: right. yep yep <laughs> and then whoops Enterprise gets absolutely fucked by the test chip exploding. Yep. It's just power outages and systems offline and injuries everywhere. But also, the wave is still headed for the other planet. Is that anything? <laughs> anyway, they treat it like it's a mixed success. Right. Uh, Alexander's teacher, Miss Kyle, calls Warfan and tells him Alexander's a bully and he's still a fucking liar. And maybe they should <laughs> go talk to Counselor Troy. Uh, but instead, Worf just gets mad and asks where Alexander is and then rushes off to the holodeck where he's uh, fighting Skeletors. Yeah, he's doing pretty good, too. Yeah, Worf can't help but be a little bit proud of his boy yeah. when he kills that last Skeletor. But, you know, then he grounds him for lying and tells him he's going to send him to Klingon school.
1: Oh, man, I don't even know that. what are the logistics of that? I'm I mean, the, I'm the only Klingon Federation officer right now. I am in favor with the current administration. Right. So I guess I can send my kid to Klingon school. Uh-huh. Mm.
2: Meanwhile, that Soliton wave. Well, it's getting bigger and faster. Somehow. Oh and at this rate, it's going to arrive at that destination planet with way too much energy to dissipate. It's probably going to destroy the whole fucking planet.
1: DNG <laughs> uh, man. How many yep. times is the Federation going to almost blow up somebody's planet?
2: It's a good question. Jesus. We don't actually, we don't really know whose project this is. Enterprise is there. The test ship also looks human. Yeah. or looks, you know, Federation. Yeah, I don't know so what B'Elanna like 3 is, project. and
1: I don't remember the other planet they're shooting at, so.
2: But but Dr. Jadar is definitely some kind of alien. Yeah.
1: He's not a human um, like Eddington.
2: Yeah. War finally goes to Troy to talk about, you know, the Alexander problem. And she seems so sad about the whole thing. Yes. Like, this idiot is never going to have a good relationship with his kid, and it's just such a shame. And then she tries to get him to talk about his feelings about Kalar, and and then he goes to try to talk to Alexander, and, and he also invokes Kalar, but in kind of a manipulative way.
1: Absolutely. Your mom would like hate your guts the way you've f- turned exactly.
2: out. <laughs> but in the middle of this shitty... Uh, conversation. He gets called up to the observation lounge because um, you know they got to solve this wave problem. Jordy wants to blow up some torpedoes in front of it. They think that <laughs> ought to do the job. Sounds like a
0: Riker but, plan.
2: But the fuck exactly? But the fucking thing's so big now that in order to get in front of it to blow it up with torpedoes, they have to fly through it, and that's gonna rock the whole ship. Yeah. The shields are still pretty iffy. Meanwhile, Alexander sneaks back into the bio lab to visit the Gilvos. Mm and when the ship gets rocked sure enough there's a fire in in that bio lab the transporters don't work so they can't beam Alexander out and they there's, don't yeah. have much longer before they have to fire the torpedoes and when they do the bio lab's going to be flooded with ion radiation so,
1: so. there's so much plot induced drama happening <laughs> here for sure
2: they put they put definitely put too many clocks on it yeah um Riker and Worf run down to save Alexander Riker goes off to find like a big lever but uh Worf goes Hulk mode To get the uh, this beam off of Alexander instead mm-hmm. But then he won't leave without the Corvin Gilvo So Wrecker has to touch him with his hands
1: yeah. <laughs> By the uh... way This is what I'm talking about Frank's barely in this episode But I loved everything he did in this scene When mm-hmm. he comes back with that lever And notices he doesn't need it anymore The way he throws it away made me laugh so hard
2: Yep, and then again, the way he was—there's was like, a real well. Fuck me, I guess. The way
1: he was like, I don't give a crap about these lizards, and a little kid was like, but you have to save them. And he's like, fucking goddamn it! And he's got to hold these lizards. Yep. So good.
2: um Picard has to fire the torpedoes, even though they're not out of the lab yet. But don't worry, they make it out to the corridor, which apparently is safe from totally all the safe. ion radiation.
1: Ions even don't go through doors. Everyone knows, even though it's just
2: right outside the door. <laughs> Uh, and then Worf tells Alexander he's got a choice. He can get his ass kicked at Klingon <laughs> school. Or, if he's not a little pussy, he can stay with <laughs> Worf and really get his ass kicked. That's right. And uh, and he accepts. So that's the resolution to all of that. And, Matthew, what's this episode
1: about? Yeah, oh, good. Yeah. Um, well, let's go. I'll start with Ben. Ben says, when you're treading new ground, that's the name of the episode, unexpected stuff yeah. is going to come up. That sounds pretty general. When it does, understand the problem in context and work earnestly toward a solution, and everything may just work out. Good, optimistic claptrap from TNG is sort of standard fare. Trying to tie together both plot lines. <clears throat> I had parenting. Is it? Oh, sorry. He gave that a five. Did I say that? That's um, five from
2: Ben. Uh, oh shit.
0: Ah! Oh
1: yeah.
2: Ben's pick of
0: the week.
1: Anyway, it's a pick of the week. Yeah, Uh, Parenting is a give-and-take kind of deal, like all relationships. Worf is mad because Alexander is a shit. It is pointed out to him that this is definitely his fault. He begins to deal with Alexander in a more understanding way, offering more empathy and fewer dictates. Things improve between them by the end of the episode. I guess if you were like an old dad in 1991, you might find this to be news. But let's be honest, old dads weren't watching TNG in 1991. Children were. Yeah. Small children were watching TNG in 1991.
2: I mean, our old dad didn't have any interest in it. It wasn't wasn't his kind of science fiction. Nobody had Q rays or.
1: (laughs) No, but I I do have to give him credit for that time he poked his head in the door and said, Mikasa is waking. He oh, tried. He, had, he made an effort.
2: He had a laser understanding of the most mockable parts of Star <laughs> Trek, for
1: sure. Uh, anyway, I gave it a four. Because who cares?
2: Yeah. Um. And I meh, I wasn't really sure. I, I The take on this one is maybe something like, you don't have to handle everything that comes up on your own. Okay. Like, Worf spends the first 45 minutes rejecting help and advice from everyone. Sure. He doesn't even call his mom. He he even symbolically lifts a heavy girder before Ryder (laughs) can run in with a pole to help.
1: It's almost as if he forgot that his greatest fear is relying on others.
0: Well,
2: (sighs) get out of my fucking notes! (laughs) Turnabout's fair Um, play. (laughs) But things get better after he talks to Troy and after he reframes things as a challenge for both himself and Alexander... Sure, not a big take. Okay, right. You don't have to tackle everything on your own, Warf. You idiot. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Warf from you know, season whatever. one would have told you that. You piece of shit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Warf from season one could have piped right up with that. So yeah. you know, it is fine. I gave it a three. Okay. I gave nothing but threes for takes this week. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, as far as execution, Ben's a five again. He says, of course, the first test of this technology is done with the flagship. Uh, Why do they aim this at a planet under any circumstances? How about just a satellite? Uh, Nothing amazing. Run-of-the-mill heroics. He liked Dwarf as a father at his wit's end. Um, Alternately lost and thinking that he was crushing it. (laughs) It's true. Uh, For me, the title works for both stories, but the A and B plots aren't really related. Right. Like, Alexander coming to live with Worf is new ground, and he's not prepared for it. But the Enterprise is briefed and prepared for their mission with the right. soliton waves. And sure, the B-plot puts Alexander in danger twice times, <laughs> yeah, and once it's just to have a clock running for no reason. Exactly. Like, the room being on fire and Alexander being trapped under a beam, it's enough. We don't need the, the ion radiation threat. Yeah. Uh Alexander's behavior problems are really not the focus of the episode. It's about Warf's reaction to them. Like we're just supposed to understand that Alexander's going through kid shit and Warf is the unreasonable one. And mm-hmm. that's interesting, but it makes Warf look like a chump just to set him up for redemption at the end. Right. This is not to me one of the top 10 episodes. <laughs> it's one but- of the others. Um, But honestly, I wasn't too mad at it. I I gave it a four and I could see a five for execution.
1: Oh, well, I'll tell you what, my friend. Oh, (laughs) in execution, I have written here the number five. I
2: see. (laughs) Well, well, there you go.
1: I said Rick Berman was right that this sci-fi story is a weak one, but he is wrong that this is something that matters.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, if you read the Memory Alpha, Ron Moore thought this uh, was a great character episode, uh, and Rick Berman was
1: mad at it because the sci-fi story was weak. Like they ever had a sci-fi story that wasn't weak? (laughs) When when it was the good one, which one was it? (laughs) Fucking bullshit. Yeah. Um, What makes this episode passable is the long, I stress long, quiet conversation Troy and Worf have about Alexander and Kalar hmm That scene goes on for a long time. And there is no background yes. music. And no one is shouting and nothing's blowing up.
2: That's right. And these two characters don't hate each other.
1: They don't. yeah, they're not they're not arch enemies from the start, as we've always she, known.
2: She is trying to do her job and help him, but also she recognizes that he's got a ways to go on this yet, and she's gotta take it it's gotta be baby steps.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And he opens up and says some stuff that maybe we haven't heard him say. Like, this is like a real scene that a real show should do. mm mm-hmm. um, So that's what makes this episode decent, is that long scene. My least favorite recurring plotline in TNG <laughs> is Worf trying to raise a son.
0: <laughs> so I'm
1: not excited that we've begun that. But it definitely, this episode did not shy away from what I've always believed. So Worf is a bad dad, and Alexander sucks because of Worf. Yep. Like, it's got those vibes all over it this episode,
2: and that feels oh, kind yeah. of real. No one in this episode is blaming the kid.
0: Nope.
2: The teacher tells Worf he's a bully and a liar, but it's because she wants him to go talk to Counselor Troy about it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, the only person who's mad at Alexander for Alexander's behavior is Worf, and he yep. has to figure that one out.
1: Worf thinks it is a plot line just to, to play out, but the writers do not, thankfully, and so we don't at home. So that's good. It feels kind of real, what is happening. Worf never really gets it right, and Alexander always kind of sucks. Yep. But I still don't want to watch it. There's nothing that makes it fun. I don't want to watch him be a bad dad. Why why would I want to do that? Alexander didn't need to get into fire danger for us to understand his father loves him. That's a bad cheat, and in many ways it undercuts the quiet scene in Troy's office that just happened.
2: It is it is absolutely a cheat.
1: So that's why even though it had the nice TNG aspects, I couldn't give it more than a five because it also had, you know, the other stuff. The Rick Berman stuff, we'll say. Yeah. We um, will say that. What about world building? Yeah, Ben, uh, Gives it a four he called it scrotum waves Or whatever those were Nice to see the professor was an actual alien Looking alien and not just a guy with funny Hair <laughs> He says warp without warp drive is apparently Desirable I guess it's smaller and more energy Efficient and then he says maybe they Should tap into a fungus network that's a That's a discovery Thing um, <clears throat> He gave that a four uh, Soliton wave tech which Sucks I mean, it just sucks in the episode. They're like, "It's a partial success," and it's like, "Yeah, when I got into the, I got into the new car, and I hit the gas and went 175 miles per hour, even <laughs> though I was barely tapping it. That's not a success. In no way do I call that a success. Yes, yeah, so then it slowed down real bad and set on fire. This is not a partial success. Um, you know all about the 43rd day of MacTag, obviously. Yep. That was built into the old calendar, right? Along with the uh the seventeen seventy six being the year one. Um let's see, uh Gilvos. I always thought it was Gilgos.
2: I don't know why you say the old calendar. It's still is, it still, is it still running. <laughs> yeah, hold on, I'll get you the date. In a second. Okay. It's, uh,
1: well, you know, it's weirdly patriotic, and that feels bad now, so I...
2: Uh, it's, uh, today is 24 Delaware, uh, 246, the year 246. I feel
1: like it's always Delaware when we talk about this. <laughs> it's it's often not the Delaware. way it Well,
2: it's always Delaware in July, because Delaware signed the... Uh, uh, ratified the Constitution first.
1: No, I know. I'm saying, I feel like whenever we talk about it, it's always in July-aware. Yeah. Jella-July. Um... Again, I always thought it was Gilgos, but it's Gilvos. Earth's Draco lizards died out 300 years ago. So, got that to look forward to. Uh, There's something called Balduck Warriors. Worf would rather face a whole (laughs) bunch of those guys than his son, I guess.
2: Absolute absolute bad sci-fi writing yes. that is absolute parody writing but I would, I would
1: sooner face 10
2: balduck warriors yeah you want it personal log alexander has acted shamefully and as his father i must now deal with him but i find that i would rather fight 10 balduck warriors than face one small child
1: that belongs Thanks. in galaxy quest exactly thank you star trek i appreciate that um the stories about kalis or call and moroth I guess sometimes he's caught less. Um, Honestly, because I didn't expect any of the soliton wave stuff to ever come up again. I only gave it a one. But maybe the Klingon stuff is worth something? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, to
2: be honest, I gave it as much as a four. So about the soliton waves... yeah. Like Ben says, it gives you an idea of what could be considered desirable or exciting, right? Okay. Not having to have warp drives on your
1: ships. Yeah, right? talk about to how bulky the they are. And I'm like, I don't yeah. know, those Klingon ones are just kind of built right into the ship. Why don't you just do they that? They that's true.
2: It's the Federation ones seem real bulky.
1: That's what I'm saying. I feel like the Romulans, yeah, they still got nacelles, but they're kind of, they're better. They're better um, imp- integrated into the ship.
2: Yeah, but I mean, well, we know the Romulans have to have a whole black hole in their ship to make warp work, so maybe they could use something better. (laughs) That's actually
1: true. Yeah, that seems dangerous. Uh,
2: We have a uh, protected, like, conservation planet, where I guess they bring in endangered species from all over the galaxy and And let them fight it out?
1: (laughs) Then it's a battle royale, exactly correct. I mean, it seems like a whack plan. Only the truly deserving species survive.
2: Yeah, we're bringing these Gilvos to a. Uh, you are the last a,
1: of your kind.
2: Protected conservation planet.
1: Time to hit, then what enter the Mutai. Fucking who
2: knows? Yeah, they have no natural predators, but there's. We brought a bunch of other endangered species to the planet. So yeah, we did what's...
1: bring the Turbo Lions, though. So, gonna have to watch yeah. out for those.
2: <laughs> you have to have a planet. The Turbo Lions can't be from nowhere. <laughs> Sorry, from uh, they have to be. Let's say they're from uh, Bilana Three. We brought sure. the Bilanian Turbo Lines. That's right. Uh, we have uh, the idea of Klingon schools, and uh, we see a lot of the Enterprise's school. At least how this one teacher does her business and their little field trips, and somehow on a ship with replicators, stealing a plastic model is bad. But
1: yeah, I know. Yeah, well, just yeah, you know, it was uh, the it was the. The the principle of the thing.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna make it maybe a maybe just a
1: two. Actually, I was gonna say you talked me up to a two, so there you go. Oh, did I? Well, you yeah, talked me up. To talk Elvis. me up a point on the on the TNG.
2: Um, for characterization, uh, Ben did not catch Picard's body language, and he says although JLP is basically anti kid, he's very pro parent and family. It sort of makes sense to him. And kids are more fun uh, when they grow up a little more.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, because he was saying he's okay with Wesley, but he's almost right. a grown-up. Yeah.
2: Anyway, the, he thinks the focus of the episode's characterization, he gives it a six. Okay. Um, for me, uh, Worf is very embarrassed by the interruptions to his career, and mm-hmm. that's not the best look, but this is also basically his first day as a dad.
1: Yeah, you certainly can't count the day that he made the boy look at Kalar. <laughs> Right. I'm not going to count that.
2: And even though he goes to Troy way too late, at least it seems like once he's there, he's pretty honest about the process, as opposed to, say, Barkley.
1: Or uh, countless Starfleet people, I would say. who.
2: Yeah. And it's even sort of in character that he has trouble asking for help, right? That was his psych test.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. Now he's a, a little more comfortable. And he's gotten back into his old habits, maybe something like that.
1: Well, he's definitely regressed in many ways.
2: Um, and as you could probably tell, I felt like Marina Sirtis was giving us something in this performance, probably because they gave her something to do this week.
1: That's right. Dude, so imagine her. We, view. She, got the, she got the script, and she got uh-huh. to that scene, and that oh, scene yeah, was yeah, like yeah, four yeah, pages, yeah, yeah. and she was Fucking
2: like, oh, what the scene fuck? She has. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That must have been weird. Yeah. Um, So we get to see a little bit about how Troy feels about Worf that kind of isn't in the script. Like, her acting tells you a lot Mm -hmm. about those characters' relationships, which I think is good. But I also think we see some acting from Patrick Stewart that suggests that four (laughs) years of being on a ship with families and one cool disaster haven't done as much work on him as they (laughs) maybe should have. Even though he's learned to say the right things. Um, I'm not going to lie, dude. I think think
1: maybe he's even more anti-kid than when he started. Just based on all the white kids got kidnapped. That's his problem now. That kid stole a shuttle. is going to commit suicide or whatever. That's his problem now. Fucking all the Wesley stuff that happens. Wesley stepped on the grass. Now we got to deal with this shit. Yep. Fucking, yep, yep, yep. Uh, uh, what was the other one? The kid played the prank on his brother, and now he's going to die or whatever. That's a good point. All man. this shit keeps happening with these fucking kids. He must be at the end of his fucking to think rope. about
2: all the families on ships that he iced personally as locutus
1: <laughs> for sure because they just fly around in starfleet ships he definitely got some civilians we can't just yeah, leave her uh so for me
2: this is not a perfect episode but this is definitely a big character piece and i gave it a six.
1: Oh wow okay you were both in agreement on that um when Worf asks if father is coming along, is he saying, I hope father isn't coming along? When <laughs> he asks his mom.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. He, he started thinking, do I have to pawn him off on O'Brien again? <laughs>
1: Where's like, O'Brien as he transfer Maybe he this time O'Brien yet? will
2: understand the orders. <laughs> yeah.
1: Worf, because of his great parenting, awkwardly greets his own son like he would a particularly weird alien dignitary. Yeah. Just the weirdest handshake.
2: He does, that handshake is so awkward, and then the walk he takes with him. Uh
1: Aha. It was even, it was way more awkward than their first walk together when Alexander Uh explained that he would have won. Yep. Um, I was briefly worried Worf was going to cut this lady in half when she accused Alexander of stealing. (laughs) Lady, are you dumb? Are you a (laughs) dumb person? Don't say that to him. You gotta you have to work way harder to butter him up before you say that you can't just go, yeah, hey, your kid stole some shit, like and he's a little fucking liar, just wanted to let you know for your own sake, like he might murder you. he does murders, yeah, it's not safe. she must not know he does murders
2: um wow, she barely has heard of him up to this point,
1: yeah, I mean they had no reason to interact. I mean earth. Females are particularly fragile, so he wasn't interested yep, in that yep. reason. Um, he's
2: not going after it for that reason, for sure.
1: Worf seems extra annoyed that Alexander is playing his cool Skeletor video game. I guess he's Worf's jealous with his toys. Yep. Um, he hulks up to save the boy in the end after he uh, has that nice conversation with Troy and is very open and honest, which is nice. Alexander is a fucking liar with a bad attitude. Maybe it's because his dad made him watch his mom's dead, bloody corpse and blue butt cheeks and stuff. And Could then good. S- sent him away to live in fucking Belarus for the rest of his life. Do <laughs> you think maybe that has something to do with it, Worf? Belarus. I don't know what it's like in the 24th century, but I'm going to guess it still sucks.
2: I have a theory that it's probably cold.
1: I think it's probably cold. Yeah, you have
2: to imagine that they've knocked uh, global warming onto its ass at oh, that yeah, point. For sure. And also, since people can just beam to whatever part of the country they want, they probably let the cold parts stay cold.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, maybe they got those weather grids meant to catch any super bad stuff, but they definitely let it get cold. 100%. Dude, Alexander would be eaten alive in a Klingon school. Uh Uh-huh. They would ruin that little worm. Uh Uh-huh. I can't even believe Worf suggested it. I think he was hoping the kid would get killed and he wouldn't have to deal with him anymore. (laughs)
2: It was weird that uh, on their way down to save him from the bio lab, they did have to take two detours. <laughs> Worf insists that they make two stops. This way's more it's like, efficient. Worf, you do not need to pick up your laundry.
1: <laughs> but we were sort of on the way.
2: But we're, we're kind of going there.
1: Uh, Love the dagger eyes Alexander gives Worf when Worf says to the teacher it isn't certain how long he'll be staying. Yep. Alexander fucking lights him up. Like I already told you, you piece of shit. I'm never leaving. Um Riker says the Soliton wave will put Geordi out of a job. Geordie doesn't say, I don't know, Commander, you arbitrarily made me the chief engineer a few years ago <laughs> out of the blue, and I was a pilot before that, so I'll probably be fine.
2: I actually got kind of a lot of skills. I'm a qualified uh command track and everything.
1: Yeah, I'm like I'm actually like a way better officer than you, so maybe you should watch it.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but I'm also uh, the number two pilot on the ship, and people are saying it's pretty close. <laughs> people are saying it could be number one. Mm. People are saying Riker seems to have lost a step. He hasn't, he's not grappling people so much anymore. So. A lot of talk.
1: A lot of talk out there. I hear talk in the halls. I'm just
2: saying they're um, pretty good with that trackball. <laughs>
1: the worst way to Not pilot i just playing a ship.
2: Golden teeth. I'm pretty good at piloting the shuttle with that trackball. I just
1: tried to imagine flying a ship like that. It was the worst <laughs> thing I could ever think of. Um, Is Troy being so nosy the whole time because she's worried Wharf is going to palm strike Alexander or Macletham or something?
2: I mean, she knows she's, she doesn't want to have to write the report.
1: Yeah, because she and just Picard's keeps... going to cover for her. She'll
2: be fine. But, like, it's, it's still... It's just a
1: lose-lose situation. For sure. I, she, that's why she keeps just showing up and getting in his business over and over again. Anyway, the first time, Worf ignores her, so she just slouches in her bridge chair, like, i be over here reading Alien Minds, then. It's fine.
2: She lights him up on the bridge about that uh, father-son field trip just mm. so it's on record that she that's was right. interested in the welfare of this child.
0: That's right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Uh, But then she does fix Worf's whole shit, so she gets a lot of points for that. I have it as a five. If Worf was not such a piece of crap, this could get more points.
2: It's, it is tough. Worf is tough this week, but I
1: think he's supposed to be tough. I know <laughs> they've turned him into it's, it's it does seem an our intentionally character that bad like character. Fail, yeah, right. They've written him now to be a, a piece of crap, and I um, it's not a choice that I love.
2: What about quick hitter?
1: Uh, Ben says Jean-Luc Picard is wearing his very special captain's jacket again and then he says they all seem to want those eventually well Kirk already had the the tunic
2: Kirk had his wraparound
1: yeah he had his special one
2: and Um, yeah Cisco we've already seen have his ill-fitting one I think they've fixed it a little bit by now
1: I mean I don't really remember what Archer did but I bet he had some stuff
2: I mean, he had they had all kinds of excursion uniforms. Oh and yeah, man, they had the desert excursion desert uniform exactly.
1: Yeah, they had all they had all the shit. They had all the shit. Plus, like they he got to wear a gonna... ball
2: cap, which none of the others did. <laughs> yeah.
1: They had all the shit like they thought they were going to sell toys or something. Yeah, like that was a stupid idea. Um, Janeway, hmm, did Janeway play casual? I don't remember.
2: I uh, didn't. You say that they never switch from the baggy. Early Deep Space Nine uniforms. Yeah, they
1: never go to uh, yeah. to the movie uniforms.
2: Uh, we've seen her in her sleeveless undershirt a couple of times when she was getting down to work. I think.
1: Yep, and certainly when she went commando, like when she killed that giant virus, the one that was flying around like a big bug. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Remember when she had to fight the CGI virus that flew around like a giant bug? I did not remember, but
2: I do, once you bring it up. <laughs> she went commando in that one.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> my quick hitters. Sometimes I feel bad for LeVar Burton. He has to be so earnest about the soliton wave in this episode. And mm-hmm. I know the other characters are supposed to be giving co- comedic stuff with the way they don't care about it. But I felt bad for him because of the lines he had to say. Yes. <clears throat> Worf's mom just got Worf the way Kalar did. Just showed up with a boy, like, pow, he's staying with you forever. Worf's been caught by the same kid twice.
2: In universe, it's the same kid, but don't worry, it is a different kid. Well, also. it
1: had to be because they aged him up even more, which didn't make sense because he was already too aged.
2: Yes. This kid's
1: growing incredibly.
2: <laughs> yep, that Kalar episode, that first episode was season two.
1: Yeah, and when does she come back?
2: I don't know, but this is season five.
1: That's what I'm saying. This kid is
2: maybe. A- Alexander should be two
1: years old tops. <laughs> he's a big boy. He's a big lying two year old. He's, he's a
2: big boy. Yeah.
1: Um. Does Alexander have to wear his hair just like his dad? Well, it looks creepy when they were walking down the hall together.
2: Just like Worf only had Klingon Wikipedia to go on. Alexander only has Klingon Wikipedia plus uh, pictures of his dad. I was going to so. say,
1: I think maybe his old mom kept asking for current pictures of him to make sure Alexander looked just like him. <laughs> yep. Um, <clears throat> now, there's
2: a heartwarming TikTok somewhere where uh, some Klingon barber is like, this old white lady brought <laughs> her know. kid in because yeah. she wanted to learn how to do Klingon hair.
1: That's right. That's You got to be a good grandma. Everybody out there, to your black. Did we decide Klingons were black?
2: I mean, they're again, they're not black yet in the Sh'malas world. The, in the Sh'malas, by the time we get to real life, <laughs> then they are.
1: Okay. <clears throat> um, Picard does tell Worf to go take care of his dad stuff, and that the security stuff can wait. But like, should the security stuff wait? <laughs> well, he's he's doing prep work for a security
2: officer transfer that happens in a week so there is definitely a little time yeah left.
1: but shouldn't he plan out all the activities for orientation day like who's what kind of stick that you have to hold before you can introduce yourself or whatever mm-hmm. I feel like there's important <laughs> stuff I looked over at Marjan and she looked like she was going to cry when Alexander was being scolded <laughs> I don't think she's ready I don't think she's ready to have a kid as old as Alexander the two year old
2: yeah. What if he turns out to be a little liar and steals a dinosaur? Model? Well,
1: she'll know who to blame. It's definitely Dad's fault. So.
2: <laughs> That's true. She will have learned it from this
1: episode. Yeah. Um, that warp speed. Flying within twenty kilometers feels a bit close, right?
2: It really does. Yeah, Especially I was right. We know that transporter range is like forty thousand kilometers.
1: Yeah, I was right. By the way, it was way too close. They got all caught up in the whoopsie that happened. Yep. They maybe That's didn't why they make to. a
2: point of talking about why it has to be 20 kilometers. <laughs> it's
1: crazy. Uh, I always think it must be a fun day on set when all the actors get to fly out of their seats. Yes. This time they really went for it. They went hard. People were just fucking flying out of those things. Uh, you gotta save the hand puppets. I loved seeing Franks holding those fuckers. That was so good. Um... And again, at the end, Marjan smiled and said, this was a good episode. Because <laughs> it, well, it ends well, with Alexander and Worf smiling at each other and getting along.
2: <laughs> um, well, I don't want to spoil things too much, but the, this episode does end up in the light green. So it's at oh. least not a bad episode.
1: Okay, good. Well, Marjan would have given it a 40 out of 40, I think.
2: Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> What um, about you? This is It is still several points below the average winner, but we will. Uh, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, I have some quick hitters. Uh, they talk about what would it be like to see Chuck Yeager break the sound barrier or mm. Zefram Cochran to break the warp barrier And later, of course, Geordi does get <laughs> to see Zefram Cochran break the warp air. He's along for the ride, and it sucks. They play Magic Carpet Ride because no new yeah. music was produced in the intervening 150 years. Everybody knows that. Everyone knows. Roshenko men have always had beards of iron gray. Worf's mom says to Worf like that means anything. (laughs) Like he was worried about getting older or like he was worried about his beard going gray or like he was a Roshenko man.
1: Yeah, I think he knows by now he's
2: not. He should say to her mother, I'm going to live to be 200. (laughs)
1: Long after after, um, my brother. Long after my yep. brother is dead, I, I'm going to keep going.
2: Yeah, don't fucking worry about it. I'm going to see generations of rushenko men, except I probably won't.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to pay attention to any of those fuckers, just like my kid.
2: Um, I kept thinking that this lady who plays Miss Kyle was someone. So I looked her up, and like, I mean, she was Heidi in the TV Heidi that interrupted that football game. Oh, but, the uh, famous Heidi. Yeah, but she wasn't really in anything else. So I guess she just has one of those faces and then later I thought oh, she kind of looks a little bit like Maria Bamford.
1: I didn't I didn't recognize her. Yeah. So I knew she wasn't in Babylon 5.
2: Yeah, definitely not.
1: Cuz I would have I would have been like, "Oh, that's that chick from Babylon 5?"
2: Yeah, she wasn't uh, uh what was Garibaldi's girlfriend's name? The redhead? Dodger?
0: <laughs> yep, she definitely wasn't Dodger. <laughs>
2: Good God. Uh why would Worf know that Alexander's date of birth was the forty third day of Mock Talk?
1: Yeah, he was a big this secret.
2: Dude, this dude was born six years before he was conceived. How would Worf know anything <laughs> about it?
1: Also he was a big he was a big secret because Kalar, like someone's bitch of an ex wife, was just out there having babies <laughs> and not telling anyone about it. And she just showed up and the baby stepped out from behind her like it was some fucking parlor trick. The fuck? Yeah
2: yep 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 um this jacket of alexander's the big pockets jacket it was Chekhov's big pockets jacket it had to have huge pockets so we could put that model in it
1: yeah no i'm sorry did
2: you get excited because you thought it was Chekhov's big pockets jacket for a second i was like
1: oh you mean like for star trek 4
2: yeah no not the (laughs) one where he says he's an admiral and everyone smiles and no one thinks like he has brain damage Then the Balduck Warriors thing. That was a real stinker. Just an absolute stinker. I
1: love it, personally.
2: I almost got brain cancer thinking about the line where they talked about how the Salton Wave had a 98% efficiency, mm. which made it 450% <laughs> more efficient than the Warp Drive.
0: Yeah. Uh, warp like Drive it is seems pretty like that, inefficient.
2: <laughs> it seems like that could mean the Warp Drive is either 18% or 21% efficient. Yeah. But like, what does that even mean? At yeah, what, what does speed? it mean? Like, As always, is it the same efficiency? Yeah, so.
1: As always, they say things like efficiency, and you just go, well, they didn't explain what any of that meant. They're always like, our engines are running at 93%. And you go, what so does the, it mean? The fucking math
2: part of my brain involuntarily fired up until I manually bailed. <laughs>
1: That's right. Uh, you had to, Burton, had to pull the hatch on that one.
2: I had to. I was, I was out. Uh, LeVar Burton's usually pretty good at the Technobabble stuff. Like you said, he gets it every week, but he choked on the word telemetry this week. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely said terle- tri-le-metry. <laughs> Uh, And then here's a question I have for you. Do you think Jonathan Frakes invented the brace position he uses in this episode where he puts one hand on the cushion in front of him? Yeah, uh, maybe. He shouts at everyone to brace. Do you think he was on the set like, hey, how am I supposed to brace? I have one armrest and no seatbelts.
1: Yeah, they really didn't give me much here. My character's like? definitely going to get He can splattered.
2: lean back and put his hands on the armrests and sort of push himself back into his chair. But Frakes has got like one hand down on the cushion in front of his dick and the other hand on the armrest. Like that's his
1: brace position. Look, man, we talked about this a million times. Don't nobody care about safety on these ships. Nope. They didn't give him anything to work with. And shit shakes around and you fly out of your seats a lot. And also, I, we see what happens in the movie when that thing actually crashes. Those chairs just come off. Yeah. They just go flying. So...
2: In my memory of this episode, I had Alexander running down after the big explosion in order to save the Gilvos, but mm. that's not what happened. Actually, he was just there because Worf promised he'd take him there, but then he got grounded, and then Alexander yeah. snuck out and was just down there when it happened. So He
1: just betrayed his oath to Worf to stay in his quarters or whatever.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um, and I had never noticed this before, but this time... Uh, when they get out into the hallway, it looks like Frakes squeezes the Gilvos puppet in order to make it move and twitch. And I thought that was a fun little trick. <laughs> like he just gives it a little squeeze down at the bottom and it makes it move a little like, oh, it's alive. That little that little rubber puppets alive. Ain't
1: like, no one watching he... this on a TV over 13 inches. This is fine. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. No, For sure. I'm the first person to see that, but only because your your guy, York, hasn't. Uh,
1: got this <laughs> one. No, he's still at yesterday's Enterprise. It's gonna take four hundred years to finish.
2: I <laughs> uh, give best actor this week to Troy for reasons that I think I've already explained, and worst actor to the uh the little Anson at the helm. She had yeah. a couple of lines and she did not seem ready for them.
1: No. Nope. The character and the actor not ready.
2: Yeah. All so right. in last place this week with twenty points. Yes. That's four up from the week before. <clears throat> Uh Voyager the disease. Yes,
1: they did score better, but they still finished in last. As they all did. I gave it an do.
2: eleven, you gave it a nine. Neither of those is a great score, but weren't too far apart. Uh yep. we were a little further apart on Deep Space Nine for the uniform, which you gave a fifteen and I only gave an eleven for twenty six points total. But the winner this week with sixteen points from each of us for thirty two, new ground. Yes. Uh, like I said, the average win is actually 39 points so Boy. you know 32 is not great but a 25 won the week before a 29 the previous week and a, a 32 so you know it's been seven it's been seven a weeks bit of a slump.
1: since we've yeah. seen a 39 yes it's not going well these days
2: yeah, exactly. That was, that was Ensign, Ensign Rowe. That yeah. was a pretty good episode. She she kicked a lot of ass
1: on that episode. She was a fucking king. She just came in and was just like, eat shit, everybody. I'm here to fuck people up. Get out of my way. Yeah, she, just,
2: she did just do king shit that whole episode. Yeah. Uh, That is TNG's 45th win. They are now 10 ahead of Deep Space Nine with, yeah. uh, you know, still about 65 to go. So. Okay,
1: but it's all going to turn around for Deep Space Nine in the space war. I can feel it. Well the space
2: war as you said I think kicks off in earnest next week
1: Yeah we're getting some good stuff
2: Um, If you're Going to watch along Ben uh, For TNG We will be watching Hero Worship
1: Yes That's the one where Data Data saves that kid
2: Yeah And the kid wants to be a robot Is there also mention of the Breen In this one?
1: Oh god I wouldn't be surprised (laughs)
2: Was that hero worship? Maybe. Uh, Deep Space Nine in Purgatory's Shadow, which is part one of a two-parter, but they're separated in the Thank feed, God. So. I don't want to do another 90
1: minutes on that bad app.
2: And you, Matthew, will be describing the Voyager episode, Course, Colon, Oblivion.
1: All right, well, I'll bite. Let me just see what we're looking at here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no okay alright well they gave, the, they gave the twist away right in the description here so okay well all right. <laughs> well, I know what the well, twist you'll is have everybody
2: ask yourself whether it's an effective twist or not but uh, <laughs> that's what we'll be doing when we get together to talk about week 110 next week mailbag week
1: yes yeah send us some mail uh, everybody we
2: probably won't finish state flags, but it might be the penultimate state flags episode.
1: No, but I am very confident. We really we've gotten rid of the worst of them. There are yeah. a couple of sort of weaker ones that have made it through, but the real the real nasty ones we <laughs> Did we keep any of the ones where the Indians are being chased out of town because we thought it was funny? Cause i mm, I'm
2: not sure. I hope we, we didn't. did. I think we didn't. Okay, good. If we did, it won't survive next week, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: see, there you go. That's that's a promise. That I'm willing to keep everybody. Send us some mail. That's at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. Uh you can send us conventional mails. I guess it's not even I guess it's not like snail mail's the most conventional.
2: Yeah, don't so, send us that. I don't have a PO box for this dumb show.
1: Send us electronic mail, brothers of Um you can go to the website. That's brotherdate.com. All the episodes are on there. And some, some most of the tournaments and brackets and things, and um, podcatchers, like so many pods in a generational ship, are caught. Our podcast is also caught. There you go. Just to bring it all home. As you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As you believe, As you believe so shall you, shall you do. You do. Remember her, <laughs> that, her uh, own behavior? That nasty European who was telling all his Mediterranean <laughs> stories. Ugh. That's
2: right, that greasy Mediterranean guy. He was really she for sure.
1: <laughs> that was
2: she.